and welcome to episode 100, part 2 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. Before I go any further, I know what you're thinking. This isn't the voice of Brad Galloway or Corey Motley. This week, they are no longer each representing 50% of the show. They are bumped down just a few notches to 25% because we've got a podcast host takeover on our hands. If you remember last week, listener of the show um, Upsello threw out the idea that Brad and Corey's spouses should guest star to discuss their gaming habits, and it turns out sometimes you do get what you wish for. Brad and Corey will return later to discuss what they've been playing recently, but for now, we have some new sheriffs in town. My name is Gina Galloway. I'm the wife of Brad Galloway, and I'm joined by someone who's representing the other 25% of the show, Patrick O'Keefe. Hello, Patrick. How are you doing? Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, Gina. I'm doing pretty good. So, yeah, I'm Patrick. I am Corey's husband. Uh, we've been told that we're participating in the <laughs> podcast this week. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. So... Upsello originally had the idea that you and I would discuss Corey and Brad's gaming habits, but before we dive into that, I was thinking it's maybe important for us to disclose our own gaming habits so the audience can get kind of an idea of how we play games, what we play, what we're interested in, and for us to kind of compare and contrast with what our spouses do. So how does that sound? Sounds like a plan. All right, great. So maybe we can just talk a little bit about the, you know, like genre of games we like, maybe what we're currently playing, what our favorites are. Did you want to uh, start with that or would you like me to? Uh, sure, I could start. Um, All right. To be honest, lately I feel like I've been kind of a bad gamer. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been able to stick with anything to follow through. Um, and I've honestly just been playing a lot of Overwatch. Uh, but generally I like, um, like strategy games. I like turn-based strategy games or real-time strategy games. Uh, a lot of, uh, I like Dragon Age, Skyrim, that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, but I don't know. Lately I just haven't had the patience, I guess, for it. So it's been a lot of Overwatch and Divinity. I, I when we lived in Omaha, I had a group that I played Pathfinder with, a tabletop mm -hmm. RPG. Sure. And then I haven't been able to find another group down here. Um, but some of those guys, we all went in on Divinity, so we've been playing that. It's kind of like a D&D &D substitute. It's all, you know, basically the same rules. It's turn-based combat. It's got, like, the big uh, overarching plot lines, kind of like our campaign did, so we can all hop on Discord, and it's kind of like a substitute D&D &D session. It's been sure. a lot of fun. Kind of fills that hole. Yeah, it does. It's not quite the same because you, you know, can't see their faces, but it's a pretty good substitute. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how game playing kind of ebbs and flows that way. I think it's especially true like as you get older and you've got other responsibilities, you've got other stuff you have to take care of, whether it's family or job or you know those adulting things. And it's just kind of like... Sometimes they just kind of take the front seat and you just have to like, you know, you just jump into something you've already been playing 
that's just ongoing because we do the same thing here. You know, it's like all of a sudden we'll pick up Overwatch again because I just I want to play something, but I don't really want to start something new and nothing's really like jumping out at me. I just kind of want to play. Yeah. So I can totally get that. All right. Well, you know, for me, you know, whenever people ask me what kind of games I like to play, I usually tend to say that I like platformers. That's That was what got me into video games. It was where my kind of first love was. But, you know, that being said, if I was to say my favorite games that I've played, I would say probably, like, Witcher 3 and Let It Die, like, Warframe, Monster Hunter. So, I mean, completely 100% <laughs> not platformers. Yeah. So... <laughs> I think maybe I may, maybe need to reassess a little bit about uh, what I consider my favorite game genres. So, um, but those are definitely ones that I've really enjoyed. Those are obviously you know a little on the more recent side. Um, I always keep coming back to Overwatch. You know, it's something that we like to play as a family. So it's definitely got a you know warm place in my heart to come back to because you know if Woody wants to play some game, you know we'll jump in with him and play something. Um, right now I've been playing, uh, Strange Brigade with, uh, Brad co-op and that's been fun. Um, you know, we really like to play games together, so it tends to, um, push us through a game that maybe normally we wouldn't play on our own. And this is kind of one of those games where it's like, if I was on my own playing it, I probably would have been like, meh, I'm moving on. But because we're playing it together, it makes it adds a little bit of another layer of enjoyment to it. So we've kind of pushed through and we've enjoyed it. But, you know, there's definitely some some odd things to it that, you know, some of the, the difficulty uh, change in it is very odd. It'll be like nothing. And then all of a sudden you have these huge swarms and it's just like exhausting and takes a really long time. But because we're playing together and we can kind of shit talk it at the same time, it <laughs> makes it more enjoyable. So you vent some of that frustration. Totally, totally. But solo, I'm playing Spider-Man right now, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm sure maybe a few of you have heard of. <laughs> Um, and it's been fun. I've just recently started it. So I'm just kind of just now jumping into it. Um, the, I was a little frustrated in the beginning because they kind of throw you right into a battle. I don't, have you played it at all yet? Yeah, I got most of the way through it. Okay. Yeah. That first fight, the Fisk fight, I just kind of, I was like, oh my God, like we're just, we're just, we're going to just do this. And I kept stumbling and bumbling and, you know, I just hadn't had an opportunity to get myself comfortable with the controls. And so that was a little frustrating, but, um, overall it's been, you know, really enjoyable to play. It's beautiful, of course. So that's just kind of really amazing to see and, you know, web slinging through the city and stuff like that is totally enjoyable. Plus, in addition to that, it's a game that my son can sit next to me and watch me play and, you know, he's always like, go do that. You're missing this. Somebody's coming. Watch. <laughs> so <laughs> that is exactly what I do to Corey when he plays. <laughs> That's why I haven't finished it, because I watched him play like the whole back half. So I don't feel yep. like I really need to at this point. Yeah. You're like, all right, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. He, so, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I enjoy watching him play more than he enjoys having me watch him play. Because yeah. uh, I tend to try and like coach him and he's not super receptive to that. <laughs> Yeah, Woody is definitely, because he plays a lot more games now and he's a lot more capable, he's definitely like, no, mom, you need to go do that. And I'm like, let me figure it out, you know, because he's just like, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. He's like, no, this is how you solve that puzzle. And I'm like, ah, I'm like, just give me a, I'm slow. <laughs> just give me a second. I'm going to get there. So 
yeah, so it's it's definitely enjoyable, but yeah. So he's actually currently playing it, so he commandeered my disc and is now playing oh, it yeah. himself. So yeah, so we're kind of debating about, okay, whose turn is it now? If I get up early, do I get it first? So yeah, <laughs> there's a little bit of that in our house. So and so yeah, that's that's what I'm cur- we're currently playing in the house. So you guys have a setup. You have like two or three PlayStations, so all of you can play together. We do, we do. We actually, um, you know, this actually segues a little bit into the next question that was asked, which was talking about how games kind of relate to our relationship and, you know, how that affects our relationship. Because we um, we have kind of maybe an odd setup from what most people would think. We definitely live in a society, you know, where it's like, oh, limit screen time, no TVs, you know, do this, do that. And in our house, we all play games. We all have PlayStations. We um, actually have a setup in our living room where we have uh, three televisions. They're all kind of (laughs) placed separately in the same room. So none of us is actually looking at the same TV, but we're all in the same room. And it actually works really, really well. We really enjoy it because it allows all of us to either play game together, which we really enjoy. You know, we get on and we play Overwatch. Sometimes we play Fortnite. We have a bunch of different games that we play. Um, But it also allows us to play our own games or do our own things, but we're all still in the same room, which we really appreciate. You know, we can, if we get stuck and he needs some help, you know, Brad and I are able to jump in and help him. Or if something's going on, you know, we can talk to each other about it and stuff. So it's actually, gaming for us is incredibly social, even when we're not playing together. So we have kind of a different setup from, I think, what most people would think is kind of normal in a household, but it totally works for us and we love it, you know, because it allows us to all just be together, which is what we prefer. So yeah, it it's like definitely set up. We don't yeah. have the space for that. Corey and I, uh, well, he has the switch now, so that's changed things a bit, but sure. typically I built this gaming PC in January. So usually one of us will be in the living room on the PlayStation. It's generally me playing Overwatch and then or whoever's not in there will be in here uh, editing photos or playing something on Steam or the VR now that we've got that. Um, so we don't we don't play a whole lot together. We were going through, we were trying to think of like what we have played together uh, before mm-hmm. we started recording. And the list is pretty short considering we've been together for almost 11 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, we got like, I think we came up with like eight or nine games. But... It seems, I think it's kind of ties back to the, like, I don't play as much different stuff these days. Sure. Like, all of these games we played together were back closer to when we started dating. Um, but I think it was definitely really a big part of our, like, starting to date time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of an excuse at the beginning, because I wasn't out when we met so I think video games were kind of an excuse to hang out without it being, uh, I don't know, weird for me dealing sure. with all of that. Because yeah. I know we, we played a, a Rainbow Six at the beginning. Corey just reminded me we played the first Assassin's Creed, like passing the controller back and forth, which, <laughs> I don't know, I have a pretty terrible memory, so I don't remember that in the slightest, and he didn't seem too pleased about that, because apparently that was like a cute thing that he had held on to. How dare you? Yeah. For the most part, though, one of us 
if we're together, it's Corey's on his switch on the couch and while I'm playing or I'm sitting on the couch like reading a book or something while he's playing. We sure. Don't, we, he's not super into multiplayer games as it is, so we don't get a lot a lot of time playing the same thing together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, even when we're not playing game together, I mean, there's shows I like to watch. I also like to knit and there's, you know, things that we can do and it's nice because we're still all together. So if Brad has a game that he's got to do, you know, for review or if Witty's got something he wants to play with, you know, even, you know, Witty will drag his Legos out here and, you know, our living room kind of slash dining room is really just our whole like living space. And this is just where we spend all our time. You know, Witty brings his toys out. We homeschool also. So we do a lot of that stuff out here while, you know, Brad's playing or Brad will be doing something with him and I'll be playing. So, you know, we kind of do all of it together. And so the same thing, you know, I'm reading a book or I'm knitting and they're playing a game or something like that. And then we just, you know, it's just kind of a family thing, like all the time, which was part of what we enjoy. So. Yeah, that's pretty nice. We're yeah. Good. The vibe yeah. seems to be doing a good job of kind of making our gaming more social, especially we've been bringing, having friends come over on the weekends to try it out for the first time. And so the way it's, we've got it set up, it's like half of our spare bedroom is where they're, you know, walking around or punching sure. or whatever. And then <laughs> the rest of us can sit around the computer and watch what they're doing. And since it's oh, so, that's cool. so new to everybody, we can sit back and, you know, kind of coach them on, be careful, you know, there's somebody behind you or so everybody gets <laughs> to kind of like play along. Watch Without them actually. themselves. <laughs> Without actually punching somebody while they're playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually it's just the walls that get punched. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's better than nothing. So. Yeah. Yeah, we um, uh, you know, you were talking early on in your relationship with Corey, and you know, with Brad and I, um, it's funny. I Brad may have shared this story before, but you know, he has. He always says that the re he knew right away that you know, we were going to get together and this was it when I opened up my wallet and I had a GameStop card in my <laughs> wallet. So, you know, he knew that I played games and he was like, oh, okay, we're, we're good. We're good. We get along already and, and you play games, so we're good. So, you know, I did definitely play games before he and I got together, but my, you know, the things I played were really limited. I had um, a PlayStation, but I didn't really know a lot of the games out there. And so, you know, meeting Brad and because he does, you know, reviewing of games and stuff, he had this whole, and he's got, I, I, this is probably an old reference, but I always say that he reminds me of Cliff Clavin because he has, um, just this ability to remember so much stuff. And so he can just be like, Oh yeah, I played this game, you know, like five years ago. And I think that you would like it because it's got this part to it and this part to it. And, you know, I play a game, I'm done with it. Witty starts to play it. And he's like, mom, how did you do this part? And I'm like, I don't remember. I, yeah, I just played it I like am. a week ago, but you know, and so it was really great when we got together because he was able to introduce me to a bunch of different kinds of games, games that I could just try out and see if I liked. And then once he kind of knew more of what I liked, he was able to like introduce me to even more. And so it was something that really, um, was really fun in the beginning of our relationship because we got to try all these new things. And he, um, really enjoys watching the gameplay too. So he would introduce me to stuff and just kind of sit and watch me play. And so it was really fun because he could see how I would do things as opposed to how he did them. And so gameplay, I think, has always been 
kind of a part of our relationship, you know, from the very beginning. And, you know, I think that there's never really been a time that I feel like it's interfered. You know, it's always been something that we found a way to enjoy together and now to enjoy with our son when he is, you know, playing game and stuff like that. So, you know, it's I know sometimes people are like, oh, well, you know, games, how does that work? And, you know, do they just get all caught up in the games? And, you know, and because Brad also does the reviewing and he does the podcast, you know, it takes up some time. But it's also things that we talk about. You know, sometimes we'll talk about the topic of the podcast before he gets on and, you know, we kind of bounce ideas around and stuff. And so, you know, I never feel like it, you know, takes away from our relationship, which is nice. Yeah, I've never really understood how people thought that happens because like I said like Corey and I don't even really play them together for the most part but mm-hmm. like you I, we're, I guess we're pretty independent I just uh I don't know like I feel like you need that time you should be able to have your own time it shouldn't be some controversial thing that you have you know games you like that the other person absolutely doesn't. yeah it's just, yeah totally I've never understood that yeah no me either I mean it's you were you were separate people before you came together, right? I mean, that was part of what makes the couple strong is that you're you, you have your own things, you are your own people, and that can absolutely continue. So, yeah, yeah, it's just finding a balance. I agree. All right. Well, did you have anything else that you would like to add? Um, I don't think so. All right. We about covered it. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys very much for listening. And please remember, you can send us any thoughts, comments, or feedback to... Wait, hold on a second. That This isn't our job. I don't need to sign off. So we'll leave that to Brad and Corey. But if you want to follow us on any social media, here are our handles. For me, it is my name, Gina Galloway, all A's, G-I-N-A-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. That is for Twitter and Instagram. And mine's a little clumsy, but it's J-P-O-K underscore. That's for both of them as well. All right. So thank you guys very much, you all, for having us on the show and putting up with this podcast takeover. So for now, we'll sign off and hand the show back over to Corey and Brad. But until they return, this is bye from Gina. Bye from Patrick. See you guys next time. So, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So, hey, we're back. Episode 100, part two. Corey, you're back. I'm back. And we just got done listening to two very special guests. Thank you so much to Patrick and Gina for kicking off part two of episode 100. Wasn't that great? It was. I, uh, we kind of threw this together. Even, but it came together, I don't know, quickly and well. So I, uh, I'm excited about it. I am super excited about it. I could only hear part of the conversation. Uh, and I, I, I was not listening super closely. And I didn't want to put too much pressure uh, on the wife. Uh, <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to hearing um, all the rest of what they said. And I think it's great that we get to give listeners just a little window into, you know, the other parts of the So Video Games world. You know, we talk about our, our spouses all the time and the rest of our life and everything but we don't often include that i mean we've had my son on maybe once or twice and he would like to come back but 
Uh, I, it was nice to be able to uh, to open those doors just a little bit further and let uh, the fans in just a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah, and if we uh, had not received the suggestion from Upsello, we never would have done it. So thank you for suggesting that. I don't know if that was a dead serious suggestion or if that was a joking suggestion, but I'm glad we got it and we followed up on it. So we were able to make part two of uh, episode 100 a tiny bit more special than part one. So we get to go out with a little bit of a bang. Oh, yeah. I thought that was very special. I, I That was really kind of a treat for me. So I love, you know, like Gina was saying in the, the section, section you was heard, you know, family is really important to us, being connected, being social, staying together. And so to be able to incorporate her into the podcast was really pretty cool for me. So uh, I will ask her about her feelings about it later and we'll, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I thought that was great. So anyway, we are back. It's part two of episode 100. 100. 100.5? I don't know. What, what is the, what? If you were like doing a computer program thing, how would you number it? One hundred point one? I don't. I don't know. Perhaps. I mean, one hundred point one makes it sound like we like upgraded from episode yeah, one hundred to. <laughs> da, whatever. Which, I mean, whatever. maybe we did. Maybe we did. I think. <laughs> well, it was a little bit. Yeah. Maybe. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, part two. Here we go. And since last episode was basically unintentionally like uh, an entire banter show, like we didn't plan it that way. Uh, but if you will recall last episode, we. Went on at length, went a little for, little bit longer. Sorry, I can't podcast today. A little bit longer than we expected. And we ended up not getting to any of the games that we had slotted. And we had slotted a lot. Like, we had a lot of stuff lined up. So, since last episode is basically all a banter show, I say, Corey, this show is just pure game show. What do you think? I can get behind that because we did have a lot of stuff lined up. And we are ready to talk about games. I say let's do it. So um, after that warm, uh, warm opening and intro from uh, Patrick and Gina, I say we just skip our usual preamble and get right to it. And let's do that now, starting with you, sir. You have been playing The Way, which is actually a game that I originally brought up a couple weeks ago on my Burn the Backlog episode when I was going through a whole bunch of games for five minutes each. This is one that caught my eye and it seemed really cool. We talked about it for a minute and I think this was... A European game, maybe from Poland, perhaps, and uh, kind of a sci-fi sort of a thing. I only played like five or ten minutes. I thought it was cool, and I meant to come back to it, but you actually beat me to the punch. You went ahead, downloaded it for Switch, I assume? Yes, Switch? Yes, I'm playing it on Switch. And you are, I guarantee you're further than I got. So I'm (laughs) very curious, uh, was my gut instinct correct? Did this turn out to be a cool game? And if so, tell us all about it. Well, I haven't... I haven't finished it yet. I'm about maybe two hours or so in, uh, roughly, give or take. Uh, it's funny that I'm leading with this game today because I was actually like literally just playing it about 10 minutes ago while uh, Patrick and Gina were doing their section of the podcast. I was in the living room thinking, oh, what can I do real quick You know, while they're talking for however long they're going to talk? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk about the way this week, so I might as well... I booted up and played a little bit um, because I've sat down with it about three or four times so far. And like you said, um, it is like a kind of a pixel-based art style-y 2D side-scrolling adventure game. Um, It is very science fiction, uh, I don't know, and injected with a lot of science fiction because when you talked about it on the show a few weeks ago, you had mentioned that the game literally opens with a man visiting the grave of his wife and then he proceeds to dig her up out of the grave. And when I say that, it's not like a graphic, you know, showing her like decomposed body or anything. It's just like a little, 
um, segment of him just kind of like, I don't know, with like a shovel or something digging her out. And he proceeds to take her body to this cool like chamber thing. I think I'm thinking of like the tyrant in Resident Evil one, like the sort of like liquid chamber that he's in um, to try to preserve her. And the idea is that he had been part of this research team where he had visited some planet or some like foreign land with his research team. And they were like on the cusp of finding some kind of magical, I don't even know, thing element or something that can either bring people back from the dead or can restore life or can make people live forever. The game hasn't like 100% said exactly what it is yet. But basically you kind of take her body, you go to the research company that you work for, you hijack a ship and then you get to the alien planet. And I don't know, this is one of those games where I don't know how long it's gonna be. Like it could wrap itself up in another two hours. I could also see this being like 10 hours long, which probably not, but um, uh, how, do you remember where you left off whenever you were playing it, Brad? Yeah, I didn't get very far. I, I did the beginning that you mentioned. Um, I got the wife's body, I got to the research facility. And I was in the middle of breaking into the place. It's an interesting mix of like point and click, but there's also like real time kind of like action elements. I think I mentioned last uh, last episode, it was kind of like, remind me of um, Abe's Odyssey or like Flashback or uh, one of those uh, one of those games from like, uh, I don't know, that mid 90s period when they were doing weird stuff. But as soon as I got to the research lab, um, I stopped right there because I was like, oh, this seems pretty cool. I'm interested but I don't have time to keep going right now. So I did, I did not even make it to the ship. So I just, the very, very beginning part. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, the beginning part, the part that you left off on, um, is kind of, uh, I mean, it's basically kind of like the first like actual level of the game and you end up breaking into the research station and stealing a spaceship and taking it. And there's a lot of puzzles involved and why well, maybe not all, I shouldn't say a lot. There's kind of like one big kind of like multi-tiered puzzle situation that handles, Uh, finding out how to get the ship off the station and fly it away. And for a while, I thought that the game was going to be a little bit too puzzle-heavy for me because there was a sequence where you have to, like, recharge these three generators in order to power up the ship. Yes, Um, yes, yes, I remember that. And I was having a really hard time with it, but I eventually solved it on my own, so I was able to do it without, like, looking up anything online, which made me feel pretty good. Um, But the thing that concerned me initially was that it's one of those games where you die instantly if like anything bad happens to you, like if something attacks you or cause there's like turrets in the area at some point and you have to like dodge the lasers. And it's kind of one of those like hotline Miami esque games where if you see, if the laser catches you, it shoots you, you die immediately, but you press a to restart and it generally restarts you within like a few seconds of when you die. But it's also, it's not like a super meat boy thing where you're dying every five seconds. Like it's a lot more explorational, but um, just everybody be warned that it is a game where you pretty much die immediately if anything bad happens to you, but you can restart. uh, Probably the farthest I've been checkpointed back is maybe like 15 seconds or so um, from where I died. Uh, But the nice thing is that before you break out of the research facility, you get a pistol. You can unlock a weapons cabinet and get a gun, which I thought was great because I was worried that the whole game was going to be this sort of like platforming, like dodging uh, traps and stuff like that. And that you weren't going to be able to defend yourself or really go on the offense in any way. But whenever you got the gun, you were able to shoot the turrets out and shoot the cameras out and proceed a lot more quickly so i thought that was a really good change of pace for it and this happens in the first probably like 30 minutes of the game so it's not like a giant spoiler that you get a gun or anything 
But eventually you get to an alien planet and it's a lot more, instead of being like an industrial indoor, like research facility type uh, backdrop, it's more lush, it's more green. Um, there's kind of some fantastical elements going on with uh, the planet at large that you're on. Because um, there's like these magical sort of like rune things that you can pick up and you use them to solve puzzles in the area. And there is sorts of wildlife on the scene that are kind of threatening you a lot. Like there's these things that fly around. They look kind of like big hornets, but if you shoot them once they die, but aiming and shooting is not super easy. It's a little bit difficult, but it's on purpose because it would be too easy if you could just like lock on and shoot. It reminds me a little bit of the fall on uh, PS4 and Xbox one, which we've talked about at length on the show. It's not nearly as sophisticated as the fall, but it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I like it so far. There's nothing about it that's making me like jump up and down, you know, and wave my hands and, you know, scream at the top of my lungs, but I think it's pretty good. And I think it feels a lot different from stuff that I usually play, which is good because it's nice to step out of, you know, the realm of what I always play every once in a while. You know, it's not a, it's not a VR game. It's not a walking simulator. It's not a first person stealthy action game. It's just something a little bit different than what I usually play. Um, there are some sections that have frustrated me a little bit because there are, like, a couple of, like, chase sequences that you get into, which I was pretty unexpected for me, but it was, like, alarming in a good way, where you're just kind of, like, going about your business, and then there's a big sort of, um, like, alien entity thing that starts chasing you, and you have to run away from it. Those sections are pretty exhilarating, but they're also kind of annoying because they're the kind of segments where... If you make one wrong move, you're basically toast, and then you have to start the entire chase sequence over again. And I died, I think I've had two of them so far, and I've died like several times on each one just because I thought I had to go a certain way and it wasn't the way I was supposed to go. And because I paused for one second to make a wrong decision, I was dead, you know, pretty much right there uh, on the spot. Um, so that's a little bit annoying, um, that it's just kind of like a one hit kill thing. I kind of wish that maybe if whatever animal or whatever entity is chasing him, that you could like kind of defend yourself or like fight it off if it grabs you. And maybe it would give you like a two or three chances, but it's one hit kill all the way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I like it so far. I think it's good. I'll definitely keep playing it. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it so far. Um, but I like it, and if you start playing it and kind of get deep into it, I think we could probably bring it back around on the show and talk about maybe some more of the intricacies of it. But I'm interested to see where it goes. Uh, like I said, it's one of those games where I kind of have no idea the length or the scope of it. I don't know if he's going to end up going to other planets to do things or if you know the game's only like four or five hours long and I'm already halfway through it. It's really hard to tell. Um, but I will, I mean, if we, if you decide to play it more, we can probably report back and have a deeper discussion about it in a later show. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. I was very interested in it. It, um, I, I bought it, so I already have it and I will get back to it. I'm in the middle of a couple other things right now. Uh, but I do want to get to it. I was kind of just waiting to be in the mood because based on what I saw and based on what you described, this sounds exactly like that. That's very specific sort of game. Uh, like the original Prince of Persia, like the original original, um, or like I said, Out of This World, Flashback, or Abe's Odyssey, where it's like kind of platformy, but there's also action. But if you die, you usually die in one hit. And there's a lot of like try and die. And I mean, th it was it was kind of a genre that it was just existed in a very brief bubble in time. 
I think we, we got off of those pretty quick um, for various reasons. Uh, but there are a couple pretty notable examples. And like everything you're saying sounds like this fits exactly in that mold. So um, I know we don't have a lot of recent examples. So maybe the things that I've, I've thrown out there as, as comparisons are not really hitting home with the listeners. Um, but if you're an old timer like me, you probably know <laughs> what I'm talking about. And uh, we'll give you a good idea of what that's about. But yeah, let's let's put it on pause because I'm definitely interested. I definitely want to play it. And uh, I, I do want to get to it. So let's do maybe like a story spoiler or something when I get around to it and I will try to prioritize it in the middle. Like I said, I'm in the middle of a couple things right now, but once I wrap those up, I will uh, bump it up to the next, next on the list. So we'll hit that soon. Thank you for those impressions, sir. Um, as for me, I kind of going back to my old fallback of just like throwing out a bunch <laughs> of scatter shot, scatter shot bits and pieces. I haven't really been getting really deep into anything lately. Um, I mean, part of it is because life has been so busy uh, between me and my wife and my son all having things going on on top of just like extracurricular activities on top of work schedule on top of just being tired. I just, I just haven't really been in the mood to like take on anything big and meaty. Like I just want a little bit of this, a little bit of that five minutes here, 10 minutes there. And so I've been, just been everything I've been doing has been bite-sized, which is kind of why I've been just kind of name checking a lot of little games instead of going deep into one specific game. So sorry if anybody wants me to do like a big deep dive, although I talk so much, you probably don't want that anyway. <laughs> um, but I'll just give you a couple, a couple quick check-ins here and then we will bounce it back to you, sir. Uh, the first one, I want to just really briefly bring up dead cells. Uh, I talked about it a while ago. It was all the rage for a while. It's on switch. Uh, it's kind of a 2d roguelike real-time action kind of like a castlevania like platformer there's a little bit of dark souls a little bit of castlevania a little bit of just other stuff uh great weird art style um very very popular i i I bought this on switch i really liked the first like two hours i really liked a lot and then i put it aside for various reasons and came back to it and i have to say the more i played of it the less i liked it i just liked it less and less and less as time went on uh, for various reasons. I mean, I think for one reason, part of it is really cryptic and I just couldn't figure things out. And so I was not able to make very much progress. Uh, so that was kind of frustrating. Um, the other part was like, I just feel like it was really too hard and like, I'm no stranger to hard games. So like, don't, don't start thinking, um, you know, I, I, Oh, everything has to be on easy mode. I mean, I do play a lot of games on easy mode and I'm not ashamed of that, but like, if there's something that's hard, I'm, I'm fine to put out the effort if it's worth it. But this is a game that just didn't really feel like it was worth it because, I would make make it pretty far and then die and just have to go all the way back to the beginning. And I just didn't feel like there was enough progress being made. And I know roguelikes are that genre where you start over from scratch. And, so you know, sometimes you get some permanent uh, progression. Sometimes you don't. I just kind of feel like this one is kind of getting the balance wrong. I just feel like I'm having to put in too much effort and I'm not getting enough tangible results. And it just got really discouraging after a while. I think by the time I put in like maybe five hours and I was just seeing the same levels over and over, wasn't really making any further And then I got to a boss and because it's a roguelike, you cannot choose what equipment you want by the time you get to the boss. I mean, you know, you can pick and choose from what you find, but it's all random drops, right? So you have to kind of make do with what you've got. And I just, I got really sick of like putting in the time, making it to the boss, not really being kitted out properly. And, and like, if you die, you have to start from the beginning. Like I want to just like practice the boss a little bit because I, you know, doing half an hour, 45 minutes before I get to the boss the boss kills me in 10 seconds and then I got to do all that again. Like that's just, it's too brutal. Um, so I just, I really lost interest in it, which is 
strange and a shame because I was really looking forward to this one, really excited. I know a lot of people have been praising it. Um, a lot of people were saying, you know, oh, definitely top 10, possibly even game of the year. And I'm like, mm, for me, no way. Uh, it, it's so close to being cool, though. It's so close to being amazing. I just think that if they tweak the difficulty a little bit or maybe let you keep trying on the bosses or just just a couple quality of life things, especially in the beginning when it's really the hardest, I think that would really help. Uh, but I, I quit. I quit it. I didn't think for, I didn't think I was going to quit it, but I totally did. Dropped it like a hot potato and I moved on. So <laughs> uh, done with that. And I'm just I'm just going to move on. So any any thoughts, feelings, questions? I feel like this is I'm going to keep thinking about this question that one time we did the show and we had the question where somebody asked um, what like genre do you wish that you could get into? This is like the thing that I keep coming back to because Dead Cells is one of those games where like you said, it was like on fire on the internet for a while and everybody loved it and everybody was talking about how great it was. And but it's very much that contingent of people or I suspect I should say I don't want to like loop them all into one category. But it seems to me very much that contingent of people who just finished like Dark Souls and Blood Bloodborne and need the next like game that's gonna kick your ass to play. And I already know that I'm just not into that kind of thing. But seeing everybody get so excited about a game like that makes me kind of wish I could be excited about it. But I already know that if I bought it, it'd probably just be a waste of money. I would play it for probably twenty minutes and not be able to get into it and not want to play it anymore. So I, as much as I think I would like to play something like this, just the more details I hear about it, especially from you, because I uh, feel like I can trust you to accurately um, sort of convey whether I would like a game or not. And I feel like I just know that I wouldn't like this, but um, I don't know. I guess a lot of people are liking it, so I'm glad that it's been successful, but I am not going to be able to join in with them in enjoying the game because I'm not even, I'm not even going to try. Yeah, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I think a lot of the people who really got into that, the the harsher side of that Souls movement or people who just really want something that's really brutal are getting into it. But there's a lot to like other than that, though. I mean, I think the graphics are great. The concept is great. Uh, I mean, just the movement. It feels really good to play. Like moving, you're just jumping and slashing and running around. Like it feels very good. Like they have the mechanics dialed in, which is kind of a shame that they kind of in my opinion, anyway, kind of goofed on the rest of it. But yeah, I, I think I think you would like it for like 10, 15 minutes. And then like the first time you died and got sent back, you would probably turn it off and never play it again. So, uh, And I'm like Mr. Roguelike, dude. I, I am no stranger to roguelikes. You know, I talk about them like every other episode in the history of the show. So I, I know the roguelikes and I'm not allergic to them. And this one is just rubbing me the wrong way. Like it's just not, not doing it for me. So uh, moving on, I... Speaking of roguelikes, speaking of 2D roguelikes on the Switch, boy, I played another one because I can't keep away from them. Uh, I played Risk of Rain. Have you ever played this or heard of it? I've heard of it. I, I, I feel like, have you talked about this on the show before? I don't think I have. If I did, it was a million years ago, but I, I mean, maybe in passing, but not, not in any depth, no. Okay. I feel like I remember you talking about this, but I could be completely wrong. But I also don't really remember anything about the game. So if you did, if I've heard about it before, I already can't remember anything about it. But I've seen it a million times on the PS4 shop. And I think it did it launch recently on Switch, too. And maybe I've seen it there. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I have not played it. This was so very, very similar to Dead Cells. It's a roguelike, 2D, pixel-based, very platformy. 
Uh, this originally, and also like Dead Cells, launched on PC. People were losing their shit over it. This was like another darling. This was Dead Cells before Dead Cells was Dead Cells. Uh, Risk of Rain had everybody's world on fire for a while, and I heard about it. It came to the Vita and also the PS4, I believe. And I like pixel games. I like roguelikes. I like platformers. It seemed like my jam. Everybody was saying it was great. Played it on PS4, and I fucking hated it. I did not get it. I thought it was really too hard. So so basically, you take a little pixel person, and you're very small. You're like maybe like eight pixels high, maybe, maybe five pixels high. And so you're very small, and you just run around, and you pick up weapons that appear, or you can buy weapons in the world. Imagine just kind of like a very sparse-looking kind of 2D... Um, I don't want to say Castlevania, but just a 2D platformer. I mean, the, the graphics are very simple, uh, which is fine because it gets really busy, but nothing... I mean, nothing really to, to write home about visually, but... I mean, I guess the concept that won people over was like you were supposed to just run around with friends, and so um, it's not... I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a multiplayer game, but when I played it on PS4, I, I got to like the end of the first level, beat the boss, barely got to the second level and got crushed. Now they could never make it past the second level. And there were like a bunch more levels. And I'm like, it just ramped up so fast and got so difficult and it was so overwhelming. I mean, basically you get swarmed by tons and tons and tons of enemies and it's just really impossible. I'd be shooting on one guy with my little pea shooter and trying to, you know, chip this guy down. And there's like 15 other guys swarming me at the same time. There was, I just felt like it was impossible. But I kept hearing people say good things about it, and it just really puzzled me, and I felt like maybe this is one that I should give a second shot to. So I bought it on Switch, and I figured, well, this is good. I like roguelikes on the Switch. That's a pretty good fit. So I played it. Same thing. It was, like, really fucking too hard. And I'm like, this this game is impossible. What is even going on? I don't understand. How's anybody supposed to play this? This is ridiculous. And I so apparently most people that I talked to were like, oh, yeah, I quit it too. It was way too hard. Uh, because it seems like this is really, it's really scaled for multiplayer because you can't, there are just too many guys. You can't shoot them all at the same time. You cannot manage all these guys at the same time. So I'm like, what the fuck? Why is there even a first, why is there even a single player mode? Why do you even do this? And one person, I talked to one person who's like, oh no, 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 I actually beat this. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Trashylvania on Twitter. You know Trash, right? No, I don't. I thought you guys knew each other. Okay. So Trashylvania. Very cool guy. I like him very much. Check him out on Twitter. Uh, cool dude. He was the only person who's like, oh, yeah, I've beat it like a million times. I really loved it. I got obsessed with it. And he gave me some tips. Um, the tips didn't really help. But like just <laughs> just hearing that somebody had actually beaten it in a single player kind of gave me a little bit of hope. And I had a big breakthrough. So what happened was I made it past the first level. Barely. I got a little bit further into the second level. And I found something that I'd never found before, which was like a little drone. And you, you buy this drone and it just floats around you and it shoots guys. So it, it is, in effect, an AI companion, which makes sense because this you just get swarmed so much. And so I found the one drone and I'm like, oh, OK, this really takes a lot of heat off. I can make it a little further. And then I found another drone and then I got a little further. And then I found another drone and I kept finding like more and more drones, like one shotguns, one shot. I think it was missiles. One healed me constantly. And the healing one was like really the big breakthrough. So. Just to give you kind of a sense of this. So I started the game. I did two runs, got frustrated because I'd already played this before. So I knew, I was just doing the same thing again, right? So I went to Twitter, talked to Trash. That was fine. Came back on the third run. Going from this game fucking sucks. It's too hard. I'm never going to beat it. On the third run, I beat it like the entire game. What? I totally got, I found those drones. 
the healing drone was the big one, and I just kept pushing through. And once I had enough drones, which simulated having three other players with me, I was able to like really push back. I got some good guns. I started shooting guys. I just got on a really good roll, and I just kept going and going and going and going and going. <laughs> totally beat it on my third attempt, dude. Like, beat it all the way. I will say, that game is bullshit. It is a bullshit game. Uh, it was so hard at the end. It was so unfair and so cheap. Uh, I don't I don't know why you would ever design a game like that. I don't know what the point of it was. Like, I don't understand what the developers were thinking. Uh, I mean, I barely made it, and I had a drone that was constantly healing me. I had a gun that healed me as I was shooting. I had three or four AI companions that were all shooting at the same time. I mean, we were basically like a like you know a small army, and I barely made it. And it was like it was I almost died like so many times, and I was like, "Fuck it! If I die right here, I'm deleting this. I'm not doing this again. I'm not playing this again." <laughs> so I did I did beat it, and it was amazing. I had a great run, um, but that game does not deserve its reputation i don't think i think it's got a lot of problems it's it's cool there are some cool parts to it conceptually but and i always do like a roguelike i had a weakness for the roguelikes but that one does not live up to the hype i think it's just really really if you don't have three other people to play with you like don't even bother and uh yeah i i think that one is just just overhyped so um not ever gonna play that again deleted it after i beat it (laughs) immediately um Quick shout out to Mini Metro. Have you ever heard of Mini Metro? Have you ever played it? It's on heard, iOS. I've heard of it, and I've seen. There's a guy that I follow on Twitter who has put, been posting some screenshots of it here and there, but I haven't played it. So I had heard um, Gary Blower, who is on the Game Burst podcast. You ever listen to Game Burst? Are you familiar with Gary? He's also known as uh, Zantiriad on Twitter. No. He is a good guy, real crusty. British dude really <laughs> takes no guff. He just tells like it is. I like that guy a lot. He's really good. He's good on the Game Burst podcast too. Uh, so hi, heyo, and shout out to all the Game Burst crew. Uh, but Mini Metro was one that he liked, I believe. It was originally on iOS. It's now on Switch. Uh, it's an extremely minimal, minimalist like game where you you start off with a little area. Like they'll give you like here's New York, here's Washington D.C., here's Hong Kong, here's London. And there are a couple little dots, like literally just dots on the screen. And those are supposed to represent train stations. And so you can take your your finger or you can use the joystick on the switch to connect those stations. And the first line you draw will be one color. The second line you draw will be another color. And the third line you draw will be a third color. And those all represent different railroad lines. They can connect or they cannot connect, whatever you can, whatever you want to do. You just draw whatever train track you feel like drawing. Uh, as long as they're connected and then a little square will pop up and the square represents your train. So just you're looking at like basically a blank screen with like a couple dots and a few lines and a couple squares. It's super, super minimalistic. So these squares start going back and forth between the stations and then little, little teeny tiny dots appear and those represent people. And so you're supposed to just move the people back and forth to pretend like you're running a railway seems really weird and abstract and at first i'm like this is the game that people were talking about this is bullshit this seems really lame and just (laughs) i don't get it um but the more i played it and once i figured out some of the things that it does i'm like okay i can see the fun in this and i actually ended up thinking it was really pretty cool um there's not really a lot to it except that it's like a juggling act of the highest order i mean it's, it's simple to understand lines trains stations that's really all there is to it But, like, people start increasing in number, and then more stations will pop up, and so you have to kind of reroute your your railways. Um, 
sometimes you have to make a station bigger. Sometimes you have to put more more than one train on one line. And the game will kind of be kind of random. It'll be like you pass a level and it'll be like, would you like another railway or would you like another train? And then you got to decide, well, what's going to be the best thing at this particular moment? Or it'll be like, would you like a bigger station or would you like more bridges? And then you kind of decide, like, what do you need? And just use those to the best of your ability. Each level has a certain goal. So, like, you know, it'll be like, oh, you're in London. Please transport 500 people successfully. And then you basically win. And you can keep playing if you want to. Uh, but that's kind of just like the goal. And that's that's all it is. That's all it is. It's, it's kind of zen. It's kind of simple and relaxing. But it also gets really stressful, too. Like, when it starts heating up and you're so close to meeting your goal... Uh, I'm on the final stage right now, and I want to say it's like Beijing or something like that. I could be totally wrong. It might, it might be something else, but it's like I'm so close. I keep getting to like 400 people, 450 people, and then it just gets so backed up. If the stations get too full and the trains can't take them, then you lose the game. And so you're constantly like, oh, God, there's too many people at the station. Oh, God, I got to get this train. Oh, this train's going too slow. Oh, it's too full. There's not enough people. And then you're like, ah, fuck. So... <laughs> It's really simple and it seems really chill. You can also put on like an endless mode. So if you really, really, really want to be chill, that mode, you cannot fail. All you can, you, you know, you just play it as long as you like. You move things around as much as you want and just, just enjoy the sense of like orchestrating this railway, which is pretty cool. I mean, I kind of want to beat it. So I got to, I got to get back to that final level and give it a couple more shots. But uh, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And as an, as a little anecdote, my son was playing Destiny 2 at the time. When I started playing this, I had it in docked mode on the Switch, so it was, it was projecting on my TV. And he came over, and he's like, what's this? And I'm like, oh, it's a little train station. He's like, this looks boring. This looks dumb. I'm not going to play this. And then, like, he went away. And I kept playing it, and he came, he came back. He came creeping back. And then he just, like, he didn't say nothing. He's, like, watching over my shoulder, just kind of taking it in. He's like, what's that? I'm like, well, it's a train. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm just, you know, setting up a railway and moving people. Oh. <laughs> Can I, can I play that? <laughs> like, yeah. So he turned off Destiny and he came over and started playing it. And he really likes it a lot. So I got it for him on his Switch. And he uh, is a big fan of it. So if it won my son over, then you know it's pretty good. Have you uh, you have not played this or you haven't seen it on the iOS or anything like that? Um, I haven't played it. But I think I've seen it on the Switch, like the store. Um, but I haven't bought it nor played it. Does this seem like something you'd be into or nah? I don't think think so i'm not sure i mean it kind of sounds like i don't know when you're talking about it what i'm hearing is sort of like a almost like a sim city like public transportation edition kind of thing like that's sort of how i'm working this out in my mind and i i don't know if this would be something i would be interested in it is basically like a very 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 simplified kind of a sim city sort of thing like oh you know no, no cities, no buildings, but just real minimal. Like if you took a look at it, like a screenshot, like it looks like a piece of abstract art. Like it doesn't look like trains. It doesn't look like anything that you would immediately identify. I mean, at best, it looks like a really crazy, confused map or something. I mean, you'd be like, what is this map? I don't, I don't understand what's going on. Um, so it's very abstract, but pretty cool. I really like it a lot. Uh, I can see how this would be great on iOS. It works really great on the Switch too. I think it's a perfect fit for the Switch. So I'm into it. It was... I, I wasn't sure that I would be, and it kind of took a little while to grow on me, and I think a better tutorial would be great, but I say that about every fucking game. Like, please don't be afraid <laughs> to explain yourself, because tutorials are fine. Make it skippable if you want, but just explain to me what the fuck is going on. But overall, 
Really liked it a lot. Now, the last game that I'm going to bring up really quick is one that you were going to be very excited to talk about last week. Reigns, Kings and Queens on the Switch. You said that you played both of these games on iOS? That is correct. Okay. So I bought, I did play the original Reigns on iOS. Uh, back when that first came out, people were losing their minds over it. It was <laughs> all that Twitter talked about. For, it was impossible to not hear about Reigns when it first came out. R-E-I-N-S. Uh, played it on the, Switch, or on the iOS first, and I'm like, okay, this is fine. I, it's cool, but I just like... Let me explain it first. Or would you like to explain it, Corey? Would you like to explain it, perhaps? No, I think I've explained it before, so I want to hear you explain it. Okay, so what happens is you take on the role of being a king or a queen. I haven't started the queen the queen section yet. I'm still in the king section. Um, so you, you start off as a king, and then you have a, a little text thing that comes up, and it'll say, Oh, sire, the peasants are hungry because potatoes are too expensive. And then... You can swipe left. Like, it looks just like an iPhone game. So, like, you swipe left, and it'll be like, uh, lower the price of potatoes. Or if you swipe right, it'll be like, fuck them, let them starve. (laughs) And, you know, like, you choose whatever you want to do. And there are these four little indicators at the top. There's, like, religion, military, finance, and people. And so every decision you make will have either a negative or a positive impact on those four things. And you have to balance them all and keep them in the middle, which is weird because I initially thought the goal would be to make them all super positive, but that's not true because if anything (laughs) gets too high, you die. And at first you're like, well, that's weird. What if you have too much money? What happens? Well, if you get too much money, you throw some kind of big party and you choke on the excess. If you don't have enough money, you go broke. (laughs) If the military gets too high, they like have a coup. If they're not... If they're not happy, whatever, they disband, whatever, whatever. I mean, it's weird, but like really the, the, the focal point is like you're going to keep everybody exactly in the middle, equally unhappy and happy um, for, you know, I guess that's how you rule most effectively, I suppose. So you, you do this, like you just do situation, situation, situation. Hello, there's barbarians at the border. Do you swipe left and greet them or do you swipe right and fight them? And, you know, like there's all these different little choices, bunch of choices. And you just go, you play for as long as you can. And the game eventually gives you, like, these other little... I don't want to say they're side quests because it's not that deep, but, like, objectives. It'll be, like, meet this person. And you'll, you know, eventually come across a card where you meet somebody new. Or it'll be, like, uh, you know, take the blue pill. And you'll eventually get to a situation where someone offers you, like, a red or a blue pill or something like that. And so those are those are ways to progress the story, I guess. I don't want to say story exactly because you will die. And then you start over... And then you just start your kingdom over from the beginning again. And like, you know, these little things happen. And so this is, it's very compact. It's very brief. You can, I think the longest I've ever made it is 20 years in game, which is not very far, which is, I mean, probably like four minutes or five minutes or something like that. And you end up dying. Um, So it's a pretty cool concept overall. I like the idea. I like the idea that it's so fast. I like having quick options of yes or no, this or that, one or two. Um... But I do have a couple problems with it, and uh, let me bitch about this a little bit, and then I'll turn it over to you, Corey. Um, my first problem is that it's sometimes hard to tell what effect something's going to have, and so sometimes I think something's going to go really good, but then it goes bad, and then <laughs> keeping everything in the middle, I think it's just, at, at a certain point, I don't make the choice that I want to make anymore. I make the choice that I think will keep the meter in the middle, and sometimes I'm making choices that I normally wouldn't choose, 
just because, oh, well, the, the church is too happy right now. I need to make them sad a little bit because if they get any happier, they're going to take over. Or So I, I, I kind of don't like how I'm, I'm kind of playing towards the, the, the mechanical balancing rather than actually kind of playing it like in a narrative sense. So that's one issue that I have. Um, the other issue is that at some point you go into a dungeon that's underneath your castle or some dungeon somewhere, and there's this teeny, tiny, tiny little sword fighting minigame which appears like at the very top <laughs> of your screen it's like it's super small like stick figures holding swords and you have to like swipe left to defend and swipe right to attack basically is how it works um but i find that to be bullshit i hate that sword fighting <laughs> minigame i don't understand it i don't i cannot predict how it works i always die i think i've only won like one duel the entire time i've been playing and i just don't think it's very well implemented i wish it was clearer or i understood it a little better or i just it's really frustrating it feels like totally a gamble whether i win or lose and i don't like that feeling like i want to be able to be a little bit more decisive about what's going on so i hate the sword fighting minigame i absolutely hate it uh but other than that i do think it's pretty fun i do like it like overall i do come back to it for short bursts i'm not sure that i will ever finish the king section and I may move on to the queen section just for funsies and see what that's about, but I haven't been there yet. I'm assuming it's probably basically the same thing. So I don't know that I will ever finish that as well. But overall, I mean, pretty cool. I mean, not not the best thing I've ever played, but I really do enjoy it. And it is a good fit for the Switch, which is, um, you know, always appreciated. So, Corey, you said you were a big fan of this. I want to hear your take on, on the game and also what you think of my take. Well, I like, um, I like these games and... I, it's important to note, I think, that they... Because the, it's essentially two games packaged together on Switch, whereas they were two separate games on iOS that came out about a year or two apart from each other. So, um, But they do play very similarly. Like you said, in the first one, you play a king who's making the decisions about you know the people and everything that's going on among the kingdom and everybody in town. And in the second one, it's pretty much the same thing, except for you're a queen. But I like the dynamic of playing as a woman and the second one more. Um, and also the second one is predominantly written by a woman. So it's kind of cool because it's not, you know, a, a boardroom table of six guys writing a woman character uh, for the masses. Um, but um, the, the thing that kind of trips me out about, um, about both Reigns games is I played both of them a lot, but I've never beaten them. And I don't, like, I, I'm i not even really sure there is a way to beat them, like, f like completely, like, win or something. Um, I mean, you can obviously, you know, one of the objectives is to live as long as you can and to try to keep the balance among the four properties that you were talking about, um, you know, not too high or not too low, as long as you can. Um, and I know that the, the further you go down the rabbit hole of the game, there's more like secret stuff you can unlock. And I've looked up a lot of this stuff online because at a certain point, if you play it enough, you're going to basically feel like you keep running into a brick wall, making the same decisions over and over and over again. And you keep dying, you know, maybe on turn five or on turn 35, but you feel like you're making the same decisions and not really, uh, there, there doesn't seem to be a good sort of end goal, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Um, but there's a lot of, like, secret stuff going on, like, that I had to look this up online where, you know, you learn that if you make a certain decision here, it'll affect this, or... Um, and the second game, one of the big 
sort of like upgrades or new uh, things that was implemented was you have items that you can use and uh, so you're a queen and you have like I don't know a purse or something and you can collect a handful of items over the course of the game and I think they stay with you even if you die and someone else takes over the lineage of the queen and you sort of learn that there's certain people that you interact with and whenever they come to you with a question or a prompt there's certain items you can use on them and it'll also affect so it kind of gives you like a third option Um, But sometimes if you use an item and you're not supposed to, it'll kind of backfire on you and maybe you'll lose a bunch of money or you'll lose a bunch of, you know, religion, uh, religious backing from the church or something like that. So it can kind of uh, backfire if you're not careful. Um, I I like these games a lot and I think they're very cleverly written and they're very funny and there's a lot of character behind it because another important thing to note is that whenever you're making the decisions about what's going on, every card that you see whenever someone has a prompt, it's like a person that's asking and you start to learn who the people are that are asking you the questions. Like you have the court jester who comes by and he'll ask you about, oh, can I put on this big show? Or I think the kingdom needs... Uh, I don't know, more pianos or something, and you have to say yes or no. And you sort of, like, start to learn who these, like, ridiculous characters are that keep bringing concerns to you, and you start to learn what matters to certain people and what doesn't matter to other people. And so you can kind of start to navigate that a little bit better once you kind of understand where everybody's coming from in the court as they bring these sort of decision-making properties to you. Um, The thing that... I would, I mean, not necessarily, like, argue, but, um, and this is probably going to make me sound like an asshole, but whenever you were talking about um, the game, oh, hold on, I'm tr- struggling to remember what you were talking about. What, the critis- sword fighting? No, not the sword fighting, the criticism that you had before that about um, keeping everything balanced. Oh, how I was, I was not really playing the story i was kind of just yeah, trying to balance the meters yeah that's right that's right and whenever you're like playing it to balance the meters and not necessarily to make the decisions that you think you should be making so yeah i would kind of argue that that's like exactly the point of the game which you know kind of makes me sound like a jerk but i mean the point of the game is to rule the kingdom at like in a way that keeps kind of everything um, like an equilibrium among all the people in the court and i mean i found myself with the same problem where you know, anytime the church came to me and they were like, oh, we want to do blah, 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 that'll make the church more powerful. Well, like in my head, I'm like, well, fuck the church. Like, I don't care about them. Like, I don't care about any any of the people. But I would know, okay, well, to rule effectively, if they're not feeling the best morale, I'll have to make a good decision for them, even if somebody else has to suffer or something like that. So, I mean, you it really kind of makes you, and it's kind of silly. I mean, I act like this is some giant, like, you know, kingdom sim city game with all these complex problems. And it's not that at all. It's very binary choices, but you do have to think about how to rule effectively based on whatever two decisions you have, you know, two paths you can take at any given point. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I, I like these games and I, I'm kind of, I'm in a similar circle to you on it where, you know, they're fun. They're good to play. I don't really know what the end game is for them. I don't know if you, you know, rule for a hundred years and you can, you know, make all the right decisions. That's a constant balancing act of making the right decision that you think is the best at the time uh, versus maybe trying to keep other people in check without letting, I don't know, the military have too much power or the church or what have you. Um, And at a certain point you do kind of feel like you're running into a brick wall. And I was, you know, kind of eager enough to see what happened. So I would look up online, you know, sort of like not really walkthroughs because the questions come in a random order, but just to see what kind of stuff would happen. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that you maybe wouldn't know without looking it up. Like in the second one, for example, 
Um, much like the dungeon in the first game, uh, there's like a garden that you go into. It's kind of like a garden maze thing where like the walls are really high hedges around you. And you have to pay attention to where the sun is coming from and where the shadows are being cast in the in every tile as you're exploring the maze because you have to like walk toward the sun, I think is what it is. But I would never have known that without looking it up online because I don't think anybody actually tells you that in the game. It's just kind of like a thing you have to experiment with and see where it gets you. And eventually, once you walk toward the sun enough times, I think there's like an item you get or something like that or a person that's like buried in the maze you encounter that you can only encounter if in that certain scenario of making it that far or something like that. So it's just like little things like that where it would be nice if the game were a little bit more transparent about that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's just kind of, you know, silly stuff that it's not like it's some big high stakes game or anything like that. So I can kind of forgive it a little bit. I mean, I get what you're saying for sure. Like, I, 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 like the mechanic of making a choice you don't want to make because that's what is good for the kingdom. Like, I think that's a great idea, and I, I, I agree with you in theory for sure. I think my my problem was, was like I died, and then, you know, you start seeing the same scenarios over and over, and if you don't make a lot of progress, you just you feel like you're just doing the same thing over and over. And at a certain point, I kind of just basically like stopped reading the cards because I had already seen them already so many times, and I didn't really get further. And so I was just like. Oh, okay, too much religion. Okay, go. Oh, too much military. Oh, not enough food. Okay, like I just kind of like it just kind of became like a mechanical experience, and I wasn't really reading it anymore because I was repeating too much of it. And so I think maybe if I had made more progress and if I if I felt like it was going somewhere a little quicker, maybe that would have kept me in a little bit more. But I I totally get what you're saying though. Um, I do think that there is an endpoint because. The game gives you clues, which I don't want to I won't bring them up here on the show in case anybody wants to play this for themselves. But it, I do get the sense that there is a way to, like, you know, quote unquote, finish the campaign, at least in the king's part. I don't know about the queen's part. Um, so I, I kind of am motivated to see it. But at the same time, like, well, you know, like I just said, you die and start over and you start doing the same thing over and over. And I wish there was just like a little bit more forward momentum on it. Like, I think that would be great because um, I do feel like I'm, I'm treading a lot of the same ground. Um, and I really, I gotta, I gotta get your opinion, dude. The sword fighting, it's bullshit, isn't it? Do you like the sword <laughs> fighting or do you hate the sword fighting? I, I, I mean, I think there's a n- trick to doing it correctly and I don't think the game tells you how to do it well. And I feel like that's another thing that I ended up looking up online where I had to figure out like, okay, like what's the trick here or what's, or how do you do it correctly? And I think in the Queen's version, I think it still has sword fighting, but I think there's also a dueling one where you're dueling with someone and it's like you know walking forward and then turning around and shooting your pistol and I can't and there's like a knack to knowing how many steps you have to take before you turn on to shoot or if you turn around too fast you lose or if they turn if they turn around first then yeah obviously they shoot you or something like that and I can't remember um what it is but I mean yeah the sword fighting is not great but it's just another and i'm not i don't know i don't want this to be an excuse for the game but it's another thing where i just had to like look it up and be like oh, okay how am i supposed to do this um because there's certain moves you can do based on how you move forward and backward but yeah if they like gain too much ground on you then you can lose really quickly and all you your, your only options are to move left or right so it's not very sophisticated um but i think there's tricks to it uh, yeah, and I'm, I mean, there's more depth to this game than it appears, and I don't want to sell it short. I mean, I do enjoy it. Like, I want to, I want to, I want to end this by saying I'm positive on it. Like, I do like it. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad game. 
I just get a little bit annoyed. And I, I, you know, in general, me as a person, I have a little bit of annoyance with games that keep too much um, closer to their chest. I wish it was a little bit more open and a little bit, you know, I want more. I want a practice mode for the fucking sword fighting or like really like explain <laughs> to me more what is going on, because it really sucks to get far. You go in this fucking dungeon, you die because you just you just, you know, the, the skeleton that you fight in there kills you because you don't understand how to defend it or like you think you're supposed to. I thought if I did a special attack, that breaks his guard. Oh, no, he killed me. But I thought I was supposed to win that one. What happened? Like, I don't know what happened. And I don't feel like I'm learning. I don't feel like I'm getting better, which is really the key. I don't feel like I'm understanding what I'm doing wrong and I can't fix it. And then I just make the same mistake again. And it's really frustrating. So I, I maybe I'll have to look it up. But then again, you know, I hate I, I fucking hate having to have the Internet as the companion to all the games I play these days. It's just <laughs> really fucking irritating to me. But um, anyway, I, I do think it's a great game. I do recommend it. I do enjoy it. Um, a little frustrated, but I'm still kind of working through it. But it's interesting. It's pretty much unlike anything else on the Switch right now. I mean, if you haven't already played it on iOS or anything. So it's definitely worth checking out. Um, so I like it a lot. And I, I probably will put some more time into it for sure. I'll at least try to try to get a little further. And if I get frustrated, I'll just look something up. But All right, enough about that. Those are the Scattershot games I had. Corey, you... I've been playing a game that I've been hearing a lot about and I have a lot of questions about. And like, no matter how many times people tell me about it, I still don't understand anything about it. Uh, it's called We Happy Few, which was I think it was in Kickstarter for a while or it was going through like a real early access thing for a while. And from what I understand, this game is about some kind of alternative London, alternate universe London, where everybody takes drugs to stay happy because everybody's upset and they wear these masks that have smiles because no one's allowed to be sad or something like that. And apparently it's kind of like a... I couldn't tell. Is there a story? Is it just like a roguelike? Is it a survival game? Like, it seemed like for a while nobody could tell what it was. <laughs> I'm not even sure the developers knew what it was. And I guess it's finally out now as a complete... It's not in early access anymore, is it? It is out of early access. Okay, so it's a finished product. I, I've had several people talk to me about it. We even ran a review about it, and I still don't even understand what this game is. I have no, I, zero mental penetration on this game. I have no idea. So please, Corey, enlighten us. We Happy Few, what the fuck is it about? All right, I, I can't promise that after I get done talking about this, you'll have a better sense of what it is. Um, but this game was, oh my God, it was in early access for approximately like 600 years. And I remembered I played it back on the Xbox One because it was in the Xbox preview program, which is sort of like Xbox's version of early access where they let you play it for, I think it was, they gave you a one hour time limit and they let you play it. And I, pl I played that in August of 2016, and that's after it had been on early access on Xbox for a while. It wasn't like, you know, f just released or anything. Um, and it did not come out officially until August 10th, 2018. So it was in early access for at least two years, probably much longer than that. Um, but it is out now, like physically, like you can walk into a Target and see it on the shelf. Like it's an actual game that is out. Um, and when I played it back in 2016, I actually wrote about it, uh, not for Game Critics. I just wrote about it on my own personal blog. But I, I went back and looked at what I had written to see if anything matched up with what I, what I had felt about it now. Um, but the best way I can describe We Happy Few is, I mean, you're pretty right on with, it takes place in London and it's in the 60s, I think, in an alternative future um, where the war didn't go quite the way that they wanted it to. Um, there's like a little bit of police state happening. Actually, I probably should say more than just a little bit. Um, 
the city is divided into different districts and you play as a guy. I think you play as three different characters, but I think every character's story, you play through their entire story, then you go on to the next character, play their entire story, and then the third character and play their story. So you're not like switching between them all the time. Um, I'm still on the first character and I've played it for maybe about four hours or so. Um, you play the first section, you play as a guy who works for a newspaper and his job in the newspaper is to redact any stories that might be depressing or might kind of send people into a depressive state or like anything sad because the point of the game is that everything's supposed to be happy and it's, you know, heavily influenced by a little bit by 1984, um, a lot of it by, um, I can't remember what it's called. Now, there's a book by Aldous Huxley, um, A Brave New World. That's it. Um, Brave New World. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, it's he heavily inspired, I would argue, by Brave New World. Um, and uh, you play as a guy, he redacts stories or he lets them run in the paper, depending on how severe they are. He tries to make all the stories in the paper happy. And there's a pill that everybody takes called Joy, which is very similar to the pill Soma in uh, Brave New World, where everybody takes it. It's basically like the everybody's on antidepressants, kind of, essentially. But it's not just antidepressants. The pills make you, like, incredibly happy. Like, it, the pills don't just stop you from being depressed. They elevate your mood to, like, this new, like, euphoric level. And it is required that everybody is on the pills to stay happy. And if you're not, then they call you a downer and they basically sort of, uh, send you to these like kind of like gross parts of town where all the downers live, where they can't be sort of in society. They, it's just kind of like these slums, these kind of gross slummy areas. So you have like districts of the city that are kind of slummy with the weird sort of non drug addicted downers. And then you have, the districts that are like happy and beautiful and colorful and everybody's addicted to this drug and everybody takes it and they're all, um, I don't know, just sort of going about their business every day. And at the beginning of it, you start having flashbacks. I mean, every, every character in the story probably has some kind of like tragic backstory and haven't gotten to the bottom of the first characters, but a newspaper article that he reads, it reminds him of something that happened between he and his brother and he decides not to take one of his pills and he essentially gets chased out of the city and into a different district. And the game, oddly enough, um, there was a lot in the early access about procedural generation being like a big thing in the game. And I can't figure out what it, like what element that plays in the game because it, from what I've played of the finished product, it doesn't say like, oh, here's this procedurally generated area. Like it doesn't really... Like, I don't know if every district has certain buildings that are procedurally generated or if they're all arranged slightly different in districts. I I kind of wish the game would tell me because I can't tell if every district is designed very specifically or if, like, I go over to my friend's house who has the game and play it if, like, the houses are going to be in a different order or if they're going to be placed differently or if enemies are going to be in different areas. I'm not really sure what, what role that plays, and I wish I were a little more clear. Or better yet, I wish that the game would actually have designers who actually design the levels and not leave things up to procedural generation because whenever you have a heavily story-focused game and you throw a procedural generation into it, I think that's a disaster. Um, but that's just my opinion. Uh, so you play, you start in the downer area and you're basically trying to get back, kind of get your life back under control and get to back to like the, the good area of the game, I guess, like the upbeat area. 
And something that I did not expect of this game is that it reminds me a lot of Fallout, which is something I did not really see coming because it's got a pretty big open world. I mean, unlike Fallout, where the entire world is pretty much there at your fingertips, this one is kind of divided up into districts with with loading screens between them and stuff. But it's still like a pretty big area, a pretty large map to get around. And different districts have their different things. Like you have to be wearing certain clothes to be in certain districts because if you're in the downer district and you're wearing nice clothes, the downers will think that you're some like hoity-toity, you know, rich person and they'll try to mug you and they'll try to kill you. So you have to put on like a gross suit when you're in the downer area to blend in. And obviously if you're in the nicer part of town, you have to put on a nicer suit because they don't let downers into the nice part of town. Um, But it has a lot of... Uh, like inventory management stuff. And that might sound lame, but it it reminds me a lot of Fallout in a way where you can pick up a lot of stuff in the environment. You can craft a lot of things. Like you can craft lockpicks with bobby pins. You can craft these jimmy bars that let you sort of like get doors and windows open if they're locked or if they're like barred up or something. Um, You can craft like healing stuff. Uh, You can make clothes. You can repair clothes to go into nicer districts. You can use like combine like a rock with clothes to like tear up the clothes you're wearing if you're going into well, a downer district well let me let me ask you real quick dude um not to interrupt you here uh but i guess i don't understand the flow of the game i suppose like you're so is it is it basically like you're playing like a fallout 3 or fallout 4 or something where you're walking around the world and you just get into combat situations and so you need to craft this stuff because you're doing a lot of fighting or i mean kind of from what you're describing like with the joy and the and the mass and the and the districts it kind of sounds like it would be like a real narrative heavy game. Um, but but how does crafting and all that stuff figure into this? Like, I just don't understand, like, what, like, how the game works. Well, it is, it is a narrative heavy game and there are combat scenarios. But the other thing that I was not expecting in this game either is that it kind of oddly enough, not only does it remind me of Fallout, but it kind of reminds me of Dishonored too, which is something else I wasn't expecting because there's a big, like, stealth element, um... Like if you're in, like if you're in it, for example, like a downer district, and you're wearing downer clothes, um, you are not, like people aren't gonna fight you. There's a lot of exploration in the game where fighting is not like a thing that happens a lot, and the fighting, from what I have seen so far, I don't think there's projectile weapons, but I'm not positive about that. Um, like you have, like sticks that you can hit people with or you can find it's kind of like condemned like where you just like find stuff in the environment and you can use it as weapons or you can um come you're you can craft slightly better weapons like if you have like a rock and tape and a stick i think you can craft like a some kind of stick that has like a sharp rock on the top that'll uh that'll kill people faster if you hit them you can also craft padded weapons so that you can only knock people out instead of kill them so it gives you sort of like a non-lethal option you can also sneak up on people and, like, choke them out, and which is also, like, Dishonored. Um, but the combat is, it really depends on kind of, like, where you are and who's around. Um, because there are certain missions where you have to, well, you don't have to, but you can sneak around. Like, it's kind of like Dishonored in the sense where you can sneak if you want, but you can also just kind of go in, like, I mean, I can't say guns blazing because there aren't guns, but, like, fists or, I don't know, melee weapon blazing. Um and, and if you, like, obviously mess something up in a stealth section, then you're probably going to have people chasing you. But you can run, and you can get away, and you can hide. 
or you can fight them. And I've found the combat in the game. Combat is okay. Um, you have like your attack button and a block button. You can, there's a skill tree to upgrade stuff. So you can upgrade it to where you can do like a charged attack where you like hold down right trigger and he'll like, I don't know, like charge up his swing to deliver more damage whenever he hits something. Um, but I mean, a lot of it is exploration and sneaking like the game kind of wants i feel like the game wants you to sneak almost in like a deus ex way and then if uh stuff gets to combat it's kind of like a last case scenario on combat um i don't think the game really urges you to go in you know fists first in any situation so and if you're you, doing all this the sneaking like like what are you even doing like what is the point like what are your missions like or like what is i guess i just i, I don't get it like i'm still a little bit lost like so like in in fallout you're surviving the wasteland i get that if you're mm. in dishonored you're an assassin you're killing people you want you're on a revenge mission that makes sense like what is your motivation like why are you sneaking what are you doing like i don't get it um well whenever you get sort of cast out of the good society into the downer society um i mean it kind of like it's kind of in a fall another way in a fallout way where the story kind of unfolds pretty slowly over time and you have a main quest and you have side quests and you don't have to do the side quests again like fallout but you can um, but so far, the point has been to get back into the city and get reintegrated and try to figure out... You're kind of like trying to uncover the memories that have been covered up by uh, so many years of taking joy, which is the happy pill, in order to figure out what happened to your brother and kind of like rediscover your past. And that makes it sound like it's one of those... Almost like New Vegas, where you like a shot in the head at the beginning and you lose all your memories and you have to reclaim them. That's not really what it is because he kind of has an idea of what's going on, but he keeps having flashbacks as he's playing, as you're playing through the game and you're trying to get back into the good part of the city and get reintegrated into society, but you're also trying to navigate the good part of the city while not being addicted to joy because he doesn't want to make his like the bits and pieces of his memories of his childhood go away any more than they already are. So he has a handful of contacts in the city where he, like he starts off meeting a woman who was, I think a girl that he dated whenever he was really young and he's trying to figure out, like use her contacts to get like, I think it's like a, cause I stopped playing around this point. So I haven't gotten all the way, but it's, you have to get a pass to like uh, some, like, I don't know, like, high up in the military or in the police in the city, and I don't know if you're trying to go and, like, interrogate him or if you're going to, like, break into his office to seal stuff or something like that, because I haven't made it that far. Um, but I guess, like, his objective and his story is to kind of, like, sneakily get reintegrated into the good part of the city and try to figure out who, um, like, what he can do to remember what happened in his past without taking more drugs, but the problem is that if you're not taking the good drugs, then people will be suspicious of you if you're in the good part of the city and basically try to kill you, which sounds counterintuitive, but that's what it is, I guess. All right. So I will accept that answer. <laughs> uh, so I guess you haven't really said like what you think of it so far. Like, I mean, how is it striking you? Like, what do you, I mean, this game was early access mess for a long time there. It seemed like the developers were going back and forth. I mean, there was lots of changes. Um, you know, the review that we ran had some mixed feelings on it. I mean, how are you finding it so far? Like, is it clicking? Is it not clicking? Like what, what's the takeaway here? I mean, I feel like mixed feelings is the right way to go here. Cause the game has a lot of good stuff going for it, but it also has a lot of like, not good stuff going for it. And the good stuff is like, Obviously, the visual design of it is really incredible. Like, it kind of looks 
unlike a lot of games I've played before, just based on the color palettes it uses, the sort of like retro 60s um, whole aesthetic. Like, it's weird to me that there's been so many games that have kind of gone for this like 50s art deco thing, um, you know, like Bioshock and Prey and, you know, every Bioshock pretty much. And there's just like a lot of games that are sort of chasing that aesthetic. But upon seeing We Happy Few, I'm confused why there hasn't been like any games that haven't done this sort of like Austin Powers-y, like 60s vibe, like British vibe thing going on. Um, and I feel like that they're really onto something here because the game has a really great look and it's kind of looks like Dishonored in a way where everything's kind of caricature Like nobody looks... The way that it's not like a game that's chasing realism, like, uh, you know, like Uncharted or something like that. Um, it definitely looks silly and kind of cartoony, but in a really good stylized way. Um, and I like sort of because I wasn't expecting it and I really like games like Dishonored and Deus Ex. I sort of like the mission structure that involves like sneaking or involves like looking for multiple pathways. Because there's a few missions where like that I've played where you have to kind of sneak through this area and it turns out that the level design is sophisticated enough to let you like climb up into the air ducts and get like on top of the building you're going through. And you can kind of like be in the rafters and look down on people as you're navigating these spaces or like hide in the bushes or something like that. And I wasn't really expecting that level of sophistication out of this game. I thought it was going to be mostly like, you know, just kind of like getting from point A to point B and maybe like punching everybody that's in the way. And sometimes that's how it ends up. Um, but what I don't like is, for example, the spot that I'm on right now, I don't know if it's like a procedurally generated thing or what, but I'm trying to get through the good part of the city to get to. There's some like building I'm trying to get to, but the building I have to get to has all these sensors around it, and they're actually joy detectors. And if you walk through one and you're not currently on joy, then the detector will go off and you're basically fucked or, and you know, like police will come after you. And there's also a curfew in the city. So if you're out too late, the police will automatically sort of chase you down if they see you, if it's after like 8 PM or something like this, cause it runs on a, on a normal cycle. The game hasn't given me a very good option where I'm at right now to like go sleep somewhere. Cause you can sleep much like in fallout and, you know, decide how much time you want to pass. So I'm stuck in the section of the game where I'm trying to sneak around the city and the city doesn't have as many pathways as I would like it to in order to get somewhere I need to go. And there's like a back alley that's close to the building that has a ventilation duct you climb on top of and sort of like get up above the alleyway. But the duct doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't like let you get on a rooftop and let you get to the building. So I'm really confused why it's there. And I don't know if it's like a procedural generation thing or or if the game just like I missed a point where the game told me like, hey, here's an easier way to navigate this scenario because there's these like sort of like small hot air balloon robot things that are floating around the streets too. And like they can find you and detect you. And it, it just like, I was having a good time with it and I was enjoying the character of it and sort of like the mission structure, the mission structure of like sneaking around the combat's not terrible. Like it's fine. It's not great, but it's okay. But the point I'm at now where I can't figure out how to get through this one section is really bothering me. And I feel like I missed some like critical piece of information on like how to navigate the city better at night or how to like sleep somewhere to wait to go to this place during the daytime or something. And so, I don't know, I feel like I hit a little bit of a brick wall. And like, I, I like what the game is doing, but I feel like it's whenever it comes time for like where I'm at right now, where you're in the curfew, I'm not on joy, I'm in this police, uh, sort of police state area trying to navigate where to go. And I'm having a really difficult time trying to figure out where to go. 
uh, while trying to dodge the police and get where I'm trying to go. Like, it's just not, it's not easy. And I don't know what to do to help myself in this scenario. And I've been meaning to turn it back on and try it again, but I just haven't had the patience to, and I've been playing a a couple of other games. So I don't know, like, I probably didn't really add a whole lot to clarify the scenario of this game because this whole like it was an early access for so long and it launched to like very little fanfare and very mixed reviews and I just feel like that it's that's where it's sort of sitting in this weird sort of gray foggy area where a lot of people don't quite understand what it is I don't like you said I don't even know if the developers fully understand what this is I feel like it could have maybe been trimmed in a way where like the level design could have been a little bit better i don't know if the procedural generation has anything to do with that um or if it could have been a little more hands-on with tutorializing certain things i i don't know i mean it's fine like it's fine (laughs) i don't know i was waiting for uh, that i was waiting the core i don't i don't like it as much as i wish i did and i wish that it were consistently that it were a more consistent experience across the board so far because it has some weird, like, you're exploring for a long time, you're hiding, and now I'm in this weird scenario where I'm, like, having a really hard time getting through the city. And I wish that it, that I guess that the sort of, like, difficulty parameters stayed at a more consistent level, but I don't know, man. Like, I'll probably try it one or two more times. I have it from Gamefly right now um, and maybe see if I can get any further because I like like when it hits its stride, I really like what it's doing, but it doesn't hit that stride enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And I think to be fair, or I mean, I don't know. I don't know who I'm being fair to. I'm just, I guess I'm just being (laughs) fair in general. (laughs) Uh, I think you could say that about a lot of indies, especially ones that go through an extended um, early access process. I mean, some come through it shining and really learn from that and, and get stronger. Like I'm thinking of like a hollow Knight or like a darkest dungeon where they both had really strong cores. And because of these, um, smart developers, you know, picking through the good bits of feedback and really building on its strengths. Like those came out to be much stronger projects at the end. Uh, but sometimes I just feel like people just get lost and they just don't really know where they're trying to go. And I feel like in certain cases, and I'm not saying this specifically about we happy few, but I sometimes feel like developers who go through early access are hoping that the players will tell them where to go. And I, (laughs) I think that's really a bad way to go. Like, I think if you, if you are not sure what you think your game should be about, like you shouldn't throw it out to fans to have them tell you what your game should be about because that's not what your vision is. And so how can you get to that goal if you don't really know, like if you didn't have that in mind in the first place, you know, like I think, I mean, maybe that's what happened here. Maybe these guys had something in mind and then ended up going a different direction because of feedback, or maybe they just lost their way or maybe, you know, who knows what. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I, this kind of leads to like a larger discussion about the early access process in general, which I'm generally not a big fan of uh, and about indies and stuff like this. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, this one was not high up on my radar after hearing about it muddling along for so long. And I, you know, I got 10,000 other things to play. I probably will give this a pass unless you come back and tell me it's amazing, which does not sound like it's going to happen right now. So (laughs) I think I'm probably okay to give this one a pass. Well, thanks for the attempts at clarification. I think that everybody saying it sounds like a mess is kind of because maybe it is a mess. And that's maybe why I can't figure out what the hell this game's about. So... All right, moving on. A couple more games, and then I think we shall uh, wrap it up. First one I want to just give a, a brief mention to was Path of Exile. Have you ever played this or heard of it, Corey? I have neither. 
It is a free-to-play game, which is available on PC and Xbox One. So I heard about this a long time ago. I didn't know what it was about, but I heard a lot of people saying it was really, really good. You should check it out. This is a good game, super solid. And free-to-play, which initially I was like, well, whatever. I don't really need another game of service or anything like that right now. But people were really selling it pretty hard, so I downloaded it. Didn't get around to it, but then uh, I was listening to another podcast, and one of the guys, who, to be fair, I don't often like his recommendations. We're not on the same page very often, which is fine. I like hearing what he talks about, and he's a generally pleasant fellow, but we don't often share the same taste in games. But this was one where he was just, like, selling it real hard. And I'm like, well, you know, I know that you and I don't like the same thing, but this sounds pretty good. It's, I also have it on my Xbox One already. All I got to do is update it, and it's free, so I don't need to buy anything. So, basically, it's Diablo. Um, if you've ever played Diablo, this is basically Diablo. Um, you can choose from five or six different character archetypes. There's, like, a, a regular barbarian. There's, like, a fencer. There's, like, a witch. There's a cleric of some... You know, your general archer, general, general archetypes. You pick one, and then you start off on an island with, like, nothing, uh, except for, like, one weapon, and you just, you know, kill stuff Diablo-style. Loot drops, you keep going, you kill more stuff with your better loot, you get better loot than that, then you kill bigger stuff with your better loot, and just keep going and going and going. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing groundbreaking about it. Um, it's It's well done if you like Diablo games. I think this is a good one. Uh, for me, graphics were not the greatest. I would like it to look a little sharper. Um, a lot of same enemy types. I mean, and the thing that kind of gets me with, with games like this is like, if you're not constantly getting new, like, like significantly new stuff, like for example, like, so I picked a witch to start off with and she has like a fireball spell and a lightning spell. And those are really cool. But I went, like, a long time before I really got anything different than that. I mean, you can equip different weapons, but you're just, you know, just melee. It's not that exciting. But I'm like, well, I'm a witch. I'm a, you know, magic user. I should get, like, all these different spells. And, like, you would just go for, like, a long time without getting anything cool. And then when I got something cool, like, I got this spell that was, like, every time you kill somebody with lightning, their ghost will resurrect and fight for you. And I'm like, okay, dope. That sounds amazing. Let's do that. And it was. Like, it was really fun for, like, you know, half an hour. And then I'm like, okay... I, I'm using this spell all the time. I've seen it 10,000 times now. It's great, but now I'm ready for something else. I feel like the, the drops of new abilities are not coming fast enough. Uh, and so what ends up happening is I grind through a bunch of levels and each level is essentially just like, you know, just a, nothing to it. Like just a big open space, a bunch of enemies swarm you, you kill them however you can, whether it's melee magic, whatever you pick up, whatever loot is there and you just keep going like the levels every once in a while we'll have like a little puzzle and um, whenever those moments pop up I'm like oh okay cool 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 I get to do something different now let's let's solve a puzzle really quickly and they're always really super easy or like you'll hit you'll hit like a special combat encounter where it's like a crafted you know they meant you to fight this guy in a special way and so that's always really exciting but there's not many of those moments and basically the game is just procedurally generating a bunch of levels for you which is, you know, I guess fine, but I just kind of, um, I think I put maybe 10 or 15 hours into it. And much like Dead Cells, I liked it a lot at first. And the longer I got into it, like the less I liked it because it was just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over. Uh, and I just, I just wanted more. I wanted more, more spells and more stuff to unlock quicker. And I wanted, 
it's one of those games where like a lot of the same loot drops you'll get like um you know like sharp sword plus one and it'll be like sharp sword plus one like 15 more times and you'll get sharp sword <laughs> plus 1.5 and then it's like ooh, a 0.5 and you know it's it's, <laughs> it's not that exciting you know like I, there's a lot of time spent looking at stuff that is essentially the same but you know maybe it's slightly different it's got a 0.1 on this thing it's you know one point down on another thing. I mean, it's it. There's not a lot of like really significant upgrades. And when you when you get a good one, like when you find like a brand new spell, you're like, okay, duh, this is awesome. Game feels fresh again. I like this. I like using the new spell. But it just doesn't happen fast enough. And um, I think I put in maybe ten or fifteen hours, finished the first chapter, and apparently there's like a lot more to go. And I'm like, okay. I mean, nothing bad. I'm not. I mean, this is this is a Diablo game. And if you like Diablo games, this is a Diablo game. But for me, it was like I needed more variety in the skills. I needed more variety in what you did. Because just getting swarmed a thousand times per level is really boring. And honestly, like, I wish the story was a little bit better. You meet some people, but it drowns in this lore where there's, like, a bunch of names that you don't know who they are. They're referencing places that you've never been. They're talking about events that you didn't play through. Less lore and lore and lore and lore and lore and lore. And I just like, I just can't connect with any of it. And you don't get up close with anybody. Like when you talk to a character, you just see their tiny little sprite or on screen, like their little, their little model. And you never get a close up portrait. You never get like to know anybody really well. You don't really have dialogue trees or anything. It's just really just like, you know, to play a Diablo game for basically for infinity, which, which is cool if you like that. And I enjoyed it for 10 or 15 hours, but I, I got done with it pretty quickly. And uh, I don't think I'm going to be coming back to it. So uh, you're not big on Diablo. Is this is this something you might be into or no? Uh, it does not sound like something I would want to play. But if you I'm thinking very clearly of a game right now that you talking about this is reminding me of that's not Diablo. And if you had to guess, what would you think it is? I don't know if you're going to get this. Uh, that you have played? Yes. I don't know. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about The Division. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, sort of. Um, same structure, same structure, same gun plus one, gun plus 1.5. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. It's like the loot drop thing, because that was the thing we kept having a problem with while we were playing The Division was yeah, we would play yeah. through entire missions and every enemy we killed they give you a gun that's worse than the one you have a gun that has a tiny it holds one more bullet than the one oh God, you have oh God, and it's yes, just like yes, yes. this stuff did not come fast or better enough to make the loot drops worth it i mean i still think the division's a good game in multiplayer but that's what i was thinking of when you were talking about the loot drop thing the whole time that is totally spot on that is exactly correct and i think the difference here is that i simply enjoyed playing the division more because it was like third person run and gun. You were taking cover. We played it as a group. And so having friends along helped and actually, you know, real time shooting at people was more exciting because when you're playing a Diablo game or like path of exile, like it's kind of a top down isometric like Diablo is. And, um, you just, you know, you just enemies swarm you from all sides. You spam your magic button, they go down and it's not, there's not like a lot of nuance to it. There's not a lot of technique to it. It's not even really that exciting um, because you either are going to kill these mobs real quickly or if you get swarmed, then you run away and then, you know, pick them off one by one. It's kind of the same thing just over and over and over, which I guess was also true of the division as well. But just simply doing that stuff in real time and actively playing, running, gunning, dodging just 
kind of just made the time go by quicker and it just kind of distracted you from the fact that you weren't really doing all that much different. But it did definitely have that same problem of like, oh, this loot is not great. I wish the loot was better. Or, this, you know, maybe there's good loot later, but it's not coming quick enough. And yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, heads up, though, you can play Path of Exile with, I think, up to three other friends. And it is free. Yeah. So you can get some some multiplayer on. And also, it is free to play. The only thing that they want you to pay for is cosmetic stuff, I believe. So I looked at some of the stuff. You can get all sorts of doodads for your character, like all sorts of armor or wings or, you know, different colors. And as far as I could tell, it's all cosmetic. Um, but according to my calculations, it was all priced like absurdly ridiculously. So <laughs> maybe I did the math wrong, but I was like, oh, OK, well, this is fun. I've enjoyed this game for 10 or 15 hours. Maybe I'll buy a pair of wings or something just to kind of kick him a couple bucks for the work. And I'm pretty sure I gasped at how much some of that stuff cost. And I was like, forget it. I'm not paying for anything. So anyway, that is Path of Exile. And also sticking with the topic of games that you can play with people. Uh, my wife, Gina, mentioned this in the opening, but we are almost done with Strange Brigade right now, which is coming from Rebellion. Uh, this was definitely a popular kind of a B tier sort of a title came out a couple months ago to pretty good reviews uh you play well you, you can choose from a number of different characters it's kind of like a world war one style of a thing where everybody's like this rugged handsome man or this <laughs> you know beautiful lady or something and you know there's that kind of era with like the the little bit more basic technology and uh they're they're flying around in a blimp going to different parts of the world trying to stop this evil egyptian priestess from you know, doing whatever they do, evil stuff, whatever, filling your own evil stuff. <laughs> uh, third person, run and gun, very arcadey, very fast and loose with the gameplay. Been playing it in co-op with the wife. Uh, basically, you go into a level with a, a gun, a pistol, and a magic spell, and you just shoot like 10,000 mummies and zombies and giant scorpions and whatever. Uh, Pretty pretty straightforward, but it does feel pretty good to play, like, mechanically. Like, running around and shooting feels pretty good. The pace of it is pretty good. It almost reminds me a little bit of, like, a Left 4 Dead sort of thing. Do you ever play Left 4 Dead? Mm, yeah. So that kind of a thing where you go into a room. Oh, shit, there's, like, 10,000, you know, zombies in here. Kill them all. Quick breathing, uh, breathing moment. You know, collect yourself and then move on to the next room. Kind of do it again. That kind of a thing, which is fine. Um... I don't think that I would play this on my own because I think it's just kind of really repetitive after a while. So really having the friend along is what makes it bearable. Um, and in general, I think it's it's a good start, but there are some problems with this game. I think first off, the graphics are really kind of boring. Like um, it's like all the characters are almost cool. Like they're not cool, but they're <laughs> almost cool. They don't, They you look at them real quick and you think, oh, these guys got some character. They'll be interesting. But like, they don't really say anything that's really funny. They don't have much personality, um, and they all play fairly similarly. Um, so there's not really a whole lot to separate them, um, which is kind of a bummer. The levels are all... It's like they look nice in screenshots, but when you're actually playing, you notice that, like, everything runs together. Like, all of the, you know, crypts and hallways and jungle that you're going through, it all just kind of blends together. I have a really hard time telling where I'm going because we'll go down a hallway... We'll get into a skirmish, you know, get turned around while you're running and dodging. And then I'm like, well, wait, where am I going? I can't tell which way I came from. I can't tell which way I'm going. It all looks the same. And 
I don't remember, you know, it just, it just all blends together. There's no map. And so you kind of have to like remember on your own, but this game is not strong enough with the level design to really pull that off. Like in something like a dark souls or something, which I think is probably the best example. Um, if you don't have a map, that's no problem because everywhere you look, there's something very noticeable. There's tons of landmarks that are really identifiable and you can easily tell which way you go. Oh, there's this giant statue over here. I remember that. Oh, here's this dead tree. I totally remember that. Here's that bridge I passed. I remember that. In Strange Brigade, it's just like a bunch of like brown hallways and ruins and crypts. And it all it all just really blends together. So it's very confusing. Uh, I get turned around a lot. Also, I have to say, um, it's one of those multiplayer experiences that I find pretty frustrating because you do not share loot. So it's always like, oh, who can get to the treasure chest first? Or, oh. or if you're playing friendly like we do, I always like, well, I found a, a treasure chest. Would you like it? No? Okay, then I'll take it. Okay, fine. Uh, and there's not enough health potions. You get swarmed. You have zombies crawling up your fucking ass in this game. You take tons of damage. And there's not, like, none of the characters have a heal. There's no healing item except for potions you pick up. And those potions are super scarce. And so we'll often get into a room, which is basically like a kill box. 10,000 zombies will come pouring in. We'll be shooting, trying to cover each other the best we can, running and jumping and dodging. And we'll both be out of potions. We just, no one will have a health potion. There's no more health potions to be found. And you just get hit and die and over and over. And if one person's still alive, they can revive you. If both people are dead, you got to start over. And it's just, it's really frustrating because it just doesn't seem like they have really given any thought to how many potions you will need. Whenever you get to a potion, there should be two because there's one for each person. Like, why should you have to share potions? You get, there's so many zombies that you fight. Like, it's ridiculous. They expect you to survive all that. It feels really kind of unbalanced and rough. And, um... You know, oddly, it's, it's really oddly paced, too, because the levels blend together after a while. You're kind of just doing the same thing over and over. And you would think, like, oh, well, maybe you'll have some upgrades or something. But, like, I I bought the best gun in the game for my character, like, maybe, like, four or five levels before the end. And so, like, I've been basically saving up money with nothing to buy because I bought the best thing already. And a lot of the other upgrades are tied to finding special items in the level and they're really hard to find and i feel like this kind of flies in the face of the arcadey design because on the one hand it's like super fast run and gun arcadey shoot 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 kill ten thousand dudes on the other hand you have to stop and like comb these levels really thoroughly for like stuff that's hidden stuff that's like up on a ledge that you got to look around for like stuff that like these secrets and if you don't take the time to find these secrets which are really too well hidden you don't get enough some of the upgrades that you need but you don't want to stop for that because you're doing really high-paced combat in one end and then to, to bring everything to a screeching halt and, like, comb every fucking inch of a level for, like, a clay pot that's tucked away behind a building that's up on top of a ridge that you can only <laughs> see when you're pointed in a certain way. It's just, it really just, like, it kills the pace and I just don't think those two elements go together. And to be honest, um, we have missed so many of the secrets because we just can't find them and we don't want to take the time to look for them because it's really boring that we just kind of gave up after a while. We're like, we're not really caring about the secrets. We're not caring about the upgrades anymore. We're just going to power through and just do the best we can because uh, it's just kind of wearing us out. It's kind of wearing us out. And to be honest, at the end, we're at the end of the game now, but the last few battles have been exhausting. It's one of those games where there's so many enemies to kill that you are physically tired by the time you're doing it. <laughs> and all I'm doing is sitting down in a chair holding a controller. It's not like I'm actually jumping up. I'm not doing VR. I'm not literally stabbing anybody, but it is exhausting <laughs> killing that many guys. So it's kind of fun just to play with a partner. 
I'm enjoying spending time with the wife, and doing this together has been fun. I do not think I would have played it solo. I think I would have quit a long time ago. And at this point, we are simply just, like, steamrolling to the end because I think we're both sick of it. So, started strong, but as the game went on, we just found more and more things to be dissatisfied about. And it just, at this point, is feeling kind of rough and like we want to bail. So, um, not bad. It's a, it's a pretty good example of, like, a B-tier sort of a game, you know, mid-tier, which I think are important. They need to exist. Like, we, not everything can be AAA. I don't want everything to be, like, shoestring indie. So, having something in the middle ground is great. And this is a good example of that, but I, I wish they would have nudged things a certain way or just kind of polished it up a little bit. It's not it's not quite hitting that sweet spot for me, but there you go. Strange Brigade. Would you say that it's fine? It's a little bit it's, less than fine. Oh, it's a little bit no. less than fine. Yeah, less because fine. if I'm not going to play it single player, this is less than fine. I mean, would you you wouldn't have played the, the Division single player. Uh, absolutely not. Yeah, so it's kind of that thing where it's like it's it's okay, like you kind of respect what it's doing, but you wouldn't really want to engage in it unless you had somebody along for the shits and giggles. So it's a little bit less than fine. I think that some of the design stuff, like the shortage of life potions, the, the exhausting battles, the weird stop and start between breakneck combat and like combing pixel by pixel for secrets, it's kind of just, it's kind of strange. And I think that they don't quite have it dialed in, but it's a good start. I bet you a sequel would be really dynamite. So I'm, I, I'm glad they brought it out. I'm glad they took a risk. It's a brand new IP. It's in the budget range that we don't get a lot of games these days. So I don't want to come down too hard on it. Um, but definitely like rent it and bring a friend if you plan to start this up. Don't don't, uh, don't jump into it on your own, I don't think so. <laughs> so there we go. There we go. That's all I've got to talk about. Corey, anything, uh, anything left on your plate? Anything kicking around? Uh, I mean, I'm kicking around plenty uh nothing nothing really to discuss a whole lot um i did buy i wanted to tell you i bought judge on switch yesterday oh you did did you start yeah, it i didn't it was on sale for like eight dollars and some change i think it was like 40 or 50 percent off and i was like uh, i just got paid you know it's only eight bucks so i picked it up um i have not started it but i have that um i've also been playing i started i bought like a like a you're going to tune out immediately when I say this because it's everything you're not interested in, but I bought like a horror walking sim uh, VR game recently Oh, what? You're trolling me. You are straight up trolling me. (laughs) Those are the three things I care least about and those all three things are the same. Come on. Get serious. I know. I bought it. It's called... um, (laughs) It has a really uh, lame name to it. It's called Rise of Insanity, which... And it's it's your favorite kind of game because it's like a sort of like a is this real or is this not sort of like oh, mind dear. exploration oh, like first person thing. Are you inside someone's memory or something? I I'm not sure yet. I can't I can't figure that out yet. I think you are, but I'm not positive. I played it for about a half an hour last night, and the the bizarre thing about it is that it's a it's totally playable like just on the computer screen. Like and they just I think they added VR in later. Um, the VR is well implemented, but the thing that kind of throws me on it is you can, it's the kind of game where you can sit down with the headset on and play like with the mouse and keyboard or with the gamepad or with like the HTC controllers. But it's like obviously like doesn't seem, I mean, it works in VR, totally works, but it's the controls are a little strange because it doesn't do the teleportation mechanic thing that most VR games do. And we were just talking about this like a week or two ago. Um, so you use the 
the controllers, the Vive controllers, like sort of like a PlayStation controller where you like move around the environment, like walking in a way, which at first is jarring, but it's something that I, I personally get used to really easily. Um, but it's, I don't know, having like a legitimate walking sim horror game in VR, like I'm not going to say it's too much for me, but it's almost too much for me. Like as far as like it being scary, because the game has, it's kind of like layers of fear in a way. It has a lot of like well-timed sort of like jump scares and stuff, but having it like in VR is incredibly alarming. I (laughs) shouted multiple times last night while I was playing it because like you're just like walking in this house and then something will like, appear in front of you or I was in like a greenhouse at one point and I'm like walking through this kind of like really dark greenhouse and all of a sudden a window that was part of the greenhouse window like on the left just like shattered and it like made a loud noise and it really scared me um so this is kind of like a new experience for me is playing like a like a super legitimate like walking sim horror game in VR but I don't I didn't mean to take up a lot of time talking about it right now but that's something I'll probably come back to and a couple episodes, because I have quite a few things going on in my backlog right now that I'm sort of dabbling in. But um, I'll get to Judge soon. Um, I'll get to the rest of this uh, rise of insanity. Um, I'll try to beat it. I read on Steam it's only like three hours long, and I played it for probably like 45 minutes last night. So maybe I'm a third through it. Who knows? Uh, will I survive playing it? Will I have a heart attack? Uh, stay tuned to find out. It sounds like you're going to give yourself fucking PTSD is what you're going to do. You're going to have to go and get like some psychiatric meds afterwards like calm your ass down because that stuff is gonna be damaging that sounds really terrifying to me i would never do that i just really quickly (laughs) did you did you play resident evil was it seven is seven the one that's in vr uh seven is the one that's in vr i did not play it in vr because it's only the thing that i didn't realize about this because i got after i got the htc vive i was like oh yeah if i want to buy resident evil 7 on pc it's in vr um but from everything I've found, it is only VR on PSVR. I don't think there's, like, a PC virtual reality version for it, which is kind of bullshit to me. Like, I, I'm guessing Sony must have paid uh, Capcom a lot to keep it, like, PSVR exclusive. So I don't know if there's a way to, like, mod it to make it first person because it's PC. Or I mean, to make it VR on PC because that's, like, a thing. You know, like, modding is a big thing on PC. Um, I can't, so I can't play it uh, in VR on PC, and I don't even know, I mean, I think I could probably, hand, I could I could handle it, because I've played it before, so, like, I know, I've played it a couple times, so, like, I know what's going on in the game, um, but I think it would still be really frightening to play it in VR. Yeah, I was just going to ask if you had played that, like, how that compared, or you know, it, what your experience was. But if you haven't played it in VR, then okay, I guess we will... Uh, the jury is still out on that. But yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> honestly, like like straight up, like not kidding, I think that people may be like, at, re- at risk of like actually damaging themselves because I, I feel like developers are going to go too hard on that. And VR is such a new thing. And we don't really quite know how what the long-term effects are, not only just physically, but like psychologically. And horror is such an easy thing to get people with. It's the most effective you know, the strongest impact with the least amount of effort. So I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, honestly, like no joke. If like in a couple of years, some people started having like, you know, like little sensitivities or PTSD triggers from like having been too scared in VR. So 
Uh, I know I probably sound like a, you know, like an antidote trying to like uh, <laughs> bring everybody's party down. But I, I am actually curious about that. I mean, I spend a lot of time working with mental health in, in real life. And so I see a lot of fallout from stuff, um, not not VR necessarily, but just from situations and knowing how scared I get and I'm sure other people get. And then you add the VR on top of that. That sounds ridiculously scary to me. Um, but getting back to Judge for a second, you got to play that ASAP. You spent eight bucks. That's a great price. Uh, if you like Hotline Miami and that kind of a thing and RoboCop, I guarantee that you will get at least eight bucks value out of that game. I loved that <laughs> game. I did finish it and I had a great time with it. I thought it was really, really fun. Um, my only piece of advice to you before you start playing is every time you start a level, you get these little mini challenges. It'll be like rescue all civilians or don't get shot or, you know, don't cause property damage or whatever try to do those as much as possible because those are the things that unlock your new powers and at first you're going to be like well this is okay i'm just running around and it's fine but like once you get those unlocks you there's a ton of unlocks like that's when the game really takes off so it takes a couple levels you got to get a couple of those little objectives so it's not good enough just to finish the level but you got to do like little objectives too you get the points you unlock the powers and that's when you can really start mixing and matching your techniques like having different weapons and whether you go stealth or whether you go assault or whatever. So hang, hang with it until you get some of those unlocks. And once you get a few, um, you'll start to see how the game unfolds. And some of the things that you thought were impossible at the beginning will be possible later once you get different powers. And just I, that game was actually like way better than it looked um, in screenshots and way better than I gave it credit for. So um, now that I've said that, you will totally hate it and you will think it sucks. And we'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to you bashing it on the next episode. But hopefully you will click with it and we shall discuss. Well, I feel like I've heard you talk about it enough at length to come to the conclusion that I think I will like it. I just haven't, um, uh, I just, yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. So, um, but I'll start it soon and we'll come back. Maybe next week we can discuss it and I'll try to get some, some time in with it. Cool, cool, cool. All right, man, that's all I got. You got anything else? Uh, I think, I think that's it. All right, why don't you bring us home, dude? All right, well, um, that, this whole, Two-part discussion um, brings us to the end of... I'm just going to officially call it episode 100, part two. Um, and uh, I want to thank again uh, Gina and Patrick for opening the show for us and taking some time out of their schedule to discuss. Um, I, Brad and I haven't listened back to it yet, so we don't know what they discussed uh, about video games and about um, what, they, what they like to play, what they like to play with us, if we do any co-op stuff, any stuff like that. Um, but I want to send a thank you out to them again for opening the show. Hopefully that was a good segment. Maybe we can get them back on at some point. Uh, maybe we'll see what happens. Um, but if you have any thoughts, comments, feedback, any ideas, any games you want us to play, anything like that for the show, um, you can get in contact with us at Gmail. Um, our address is sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. You can also post comments for the show on Game Critics' website whenever the shows go live on Game Critics. We are on Twitter as well as a collective show. We are at So Video Games on Twitter. You can also reach us individually on Twitter and on Instagram if you'd like to follow us there on our personal accounts. Uh, Brad, would you like to give out your handles? Yep, my handle is my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, uh, all A's. <laughs> Boy, I almost said... Did I almost put an O in there? There's no fucking O's in my name. I almost put an O in my own goddamn name. No, it's all A's, no O's. Same on Twitter, same on Instagram. Yes, and same for me. I mean, obviously, my name is not Brad Galloway, but my name is Corey Molly, <laughs> and my uh, handles are also my first and last name. Um, 
Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Also, just as a heads up, um, I don't think this is going to be a regular thing, but I did stream on Twitch pretty recently. I played a little bit of Deus Ex Human Revolution a couple nights in a row. And listener of the show, Joshua Jackson, immediately tweeted back at me and was like, what's your Twitch name? I want to follow you. Do you have a regular recording schedule? And I was like, hold up, like, hold up, hold on, like, hold your horses. Um, I'm not planning on streaming regularly, but I did actually experiment with it on PC the other night. And the kind of cool thing is that because I'm, like, my computer room doubles as the photo studio. Like, I have a webcam. I have the mic that I use to record the show every week. I have, like lighting to use if i want to try to do like a legitimate uh stream i also have a green screen like just from buying photography stuff i'm not planning on putting the green screen behind me or doing any kind of ridiculous like cutouts or whatever but if anybody's ever interested in watching me stream or if i ever do or get alerts to when i do because i'm really bad about publicizing myself uh, my twitch username is also the same as everything else it's just my first and last name Corey motley c-o-r-e-y-m-o-t-l-e-y um, so maybe you can get a little alert if I'm playing Deus Ex or something. Um, I don't like to stream with the camera on. I do it, but I don't like to do it because I don't I don't like to talk when I play video games unless people are asking me specific questions in the chat about the game I'm playing. I'm not one. Like, I hate whenever I, I like, I don't watch streaming to begin with, but I hate, like, any time I do watch a streamer and I just, like, want to see what the game is like and I turn on the streaming channel and the person's just like, blah, 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 talk, 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 talk. And I'm just like, dude, like, shut up for a minute. I just want to, like, see what the game is and what's going on with it. So I try to not talk a lot unless I have specific questions to answer in the stream. But sorry, that was a really long-winded way of me saying that maybe I'll be streaming every once in a while on Twitch. Username's the same if you want to follow me. If not, whatever. I don't care. Um, I'm not promising consistent streams or a lot of them, but I have all the equipment to do it. And that's that's that um it's, it's funny you mentioned that dude because i've actually streamed a couple of times not very often but usually through the ps4 because you can integrate that with twitch mm, so it makes yeah. it really easy um i never have the camera on myself because that seems really weird to me and i just you know <laughs> i'm kind of old school where that just wasn't really a thing that i grew up with uh but i gotta say it's a real challenge to me to be able to play a game intelligently and also talk and also answer questions uh, very tough. I would often, the, the couple times that I did it and people asked me questions, I would be happy to answer the questions and I love the participation, but then I would be, my character would be like walking into a wall because I wasn't paying attention <laughs> to what I was doing. I'm like, I much respect to people who can do that at the same time. Cause that is tough. Um, I may do it every now and again. I was kind of considering it a little bit. Maybe I'll do it with the sun. That might be a good father son activity to do sometime. But, uh, if you, if you stream, let me know and I'll jump on if I'm around and we'll, uh, I'll watch, I'll cheer you on from the comment section. <laughs> uh, will do. I will try to keep, I'm really bad about posting stuff. Cause it's hard to like manage, like while, like in the moment while you're streaming, like, Oh, I just turned on the record button. Now let me like post a link to Twitter or something. So I didn't do that recently, but um, yeah, I'll I'll try to keep social media updated about if I am streaming or what's going on. So, um, sorry, I didn't mean to derail our sign off, but I thought I would throw that out there just in case anybody's interested in watching uh, me stream if I ever do in the future. Um, but I think that's it. Uh, Brad, do you have anything else before we officially sign off? No, that is it. Just once again, thanks to Gina and Patrick. That was uh, amazing. I didn't hear it all, but I'm sure it's amazing. I'm, I, am my, <laughs> I am preemptively amazed by the segment that went down. Uh, and I think that was really fun. And also thanks to everybody who's been listening. This is the end of our epic two-part uh, episode 100. 
Uh, thanks for being here for the journey, and the journey continues. So join us for the next 100. Yay, uh, indeed. Join us for the next 100, and then the next a lot more. 100 after, after that, that, and 100 after yeah. that. There we go. <laughs> Every 100 episodes, we'll have Gina and Patrick back on to discuss our, <laughs> our gaming habits. Um, but yeah, that brings us to the end of episode 100, part two. Uh, we'll be back with episode 101 next week. But until then, this is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. We'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.